No, he didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. And welcome everybody to Locked On iRacing Podcast. We are in 2022. It is week number nine of season one. We are almost there, everyone. I am back. Thank you, Braden, for helping me out last week and giving me a, a much-needed week off. Uh, Braden's now having the week off, and you've got Peter Wilco Wilkinson, as we always like to say, back. Uh, we've also joined tonight by number eight in Daytona 500 himself, Timmy Buckets Corn. How are you going, mate? I am great. Still recovering from the massive hangover when I partied for three days afterwards. The race was only two days, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I can't wait to talk Speed Week with you because it's not only the day, Daytona 500. I'm just putting it down in the show notes. And I'm like, we raced for three days to, to just to lead up or two days to lead up to it and then the actual day itself. So there's a lot to talk about there. But I am joined by the voice himself, the Sir Alex McKellar. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I was just thinking eight must be the number of the week. I rolled double eights in the TCRs this week, so ah, there's a bit of it going you. around. Yeah, I know. It's a shock and horror. It is. Well done. I, I like seeing you up the front of the field again. It's really good to see. Uh, what I like to see is the the numbers that we're getting for SNL, but we're definitely going to talk about that later on. So hang around. Absolutely. Yeah, nuts. Yeah. Hang around. We've got some questions from the Discord, which is something we haven't done any, in for a while because we have a slow news week, which is good. I like the slow news week. Uh, we actually had to scrounge together to get some notes up, but uh, we've obviously got a lot to talk about, but not before we talk about Brewster Coffee. Brewster Coffee, go check out the website, uh, Brewster Coffee, uh, and you will go and uh, rate your favorite coffee place. Sorry, I'm completely reading five things at once. Rate your local uh, coffee joints. Uh, you'll be able to find out some new ones if you want to find a new place to get coffee that's near you. Might not be near you. You might be on holidays now. We can all travel everywhere and not wear masks and all that kind of stuff. You can go out and have fun and find out. Back at Tasmania somewhere, there's this nice little coffee place that you've never heard of before. Uh, you might find yourself in Canberra for some stupid reason and all of a sudden you need to find a coffee place. And uh, there you go. Brewster.coffee has you covered. Uh, so go check them out. Uh, Ashley Knowles doing a great job for the team and for the podcast by helping us out. If you want to sponsor us, let us know. Hit me up in all kinds of places on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, the Discord itself is the best place, lockedonlads.com slash Discord. But we'll talk about that later. Now, I want to hear, because we've got lots of stuff to talk about. I don't know where we want to start. We've got TCRs. We've got SNL. We've got broadcasting. We've got Daytona 500. Alex McKellar, I want you to have your pick. What's What's been happening? What do you want to hear about? Oh, I'd really want to hear about the Daytona, like you were oh. saying before. It was three days. The I know, I know you had a rough night out, mate. But you're talking about the three three day journey to get there. I only got to see the pinnacle of the action. So, and, um, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it, though. So, look, it it all started. Uh, Anscar came back with with a vengeance this uh, last seven days. So, uh, Speed Week, as it's known, uh, obviously we we learnt last year when we covered the Indianapolis 500 in real life, that it's actually like a month-long process. Daytona is about a week. Uh, it's actually about four or five days. But we, we started with the trucks on the, on Monday night, which unfortunately wasn't broadcast. Uh, I think actually Carl might have done a little sneaky broadcast if you're watching his channels. Uh, but then we went into Thunder where we uh, got to broadcast the Daytona 125, uh, which is a 64-lap hit out with the Xfinity cars, which was good fun. We'll get into that a little bit later. But then me and Timmy missed practice did you actually do any practice on thursday night uh i did you did how'd you go on thursday night in practice did you have fun 
enjoyable? Uh, get a lot out of it? It was. Yeah, no, it was good because, well, the big thing that I got from it, because um, AI racing isn't available uh, for the next-gen cars, it was a good chance to use the next-gen cars with some of the other guys in the packs. And I think probably the, the big point that I noticed, well, the, the first thing I noticed was how big some of the teams are. There's, there's teams of up to between four and six cars. And for a track like that, that makes a massive difference when you, you know, you nose to tail for 200 laps, uh, particularly, you know, with some of those breakaway packs and the way that they work together, it does make a huge difference. And we didn't have that, which we'll, I guess we'll go into detail, but we didn't have that on, on race day, which was, you know, always a difficult thing, but you've also got to find your other drivers that are in similar situations to you during the race that you can work with just to, to ensure that you don't fall further back in the pack. Yeah, well, that yeah, was the, uh, yeah, yeah. Pra- practice was good, and it was good to be able to involved in that and get exposure to that where you didn't didn't have it in you know the um um in the next gen practice sessions that you normally would. It's really baffling to me that iRacing hasn't put the AI up for a a new car that's come out because they've usually done it most almost every time. Um, but B because the Daytona five hundred was actually this week and and in the officials and everything, you would have thought it was a bit perfect time to roll it out now i know there's been massive adjustments still in the background and maybe that's got to do with it but still it seems a, a very odd choice but um it obviously was a great time to actually get into practice and we then went into friday night which was quality night which being rookies we've never done this before so we weren't really clear on how we got into the daytona 500 for Anne's car uh, there's a lot of things going out little nerve-wracking uh, moments i think we spent what about three hours practicing in our own private servers trying to get quality laps down to a, a reasonable time um before we finally showed on last minute in the server and and, and chucked our laps down officially um how did you enjoy that process tim <laughs> well was it that or that we were so nervous about not making it that we forgot to think about the process of actually qualifying because yeah. the actual qualifying wasn't that part or the qualifying no. was actually the next day. The um, jewels. So, yeah, so the just jewels, a quick yeah. background to it. So you 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 do your quality lap, you get four laps. There's a six-hour server up. At any time in that six-hour service, the weather's static, so everyone's got the same thing all the way through. You jump on, do your four laps, and jump off, and that's it. So then you get a quality position, and from that, the odds go into one jewel, and the evens go into the other jewel in that starting order. So if you're first in in one, you're in the odd one, and you're on pole position for the race. And then from that, the top. So it gets a bit wishy-washy here, but technically the, the top 48 combine, 42 combined from the, the two races go through to the final. What you've got, though, is you've got a couple levels of pre-qualification. So anyone in the top 20 of Anscar last season, the Cup Series, automatically qualify for the Daytona 500. They're, they're straight in. You then get the first and second on the qualifying automatically straight in. So technically, there can be up to 22 people pre-qualified for the race, which only leaves 20 spots. Now, there was 42 people, no, about 50 people put a time down on Friday night. Um. The problem then is we had to. You got. We're weeding through. We got Braden here doing the numbers, trying to work out who's pre-qualified and who hasn't pre-qualified. We're working out how many people in our fields, about twenty-five field, that we've got to beat to be able to get into the said Daytona Five Hundred. Um, so there was more maths uh, going on and and brain quizzing going on on um, 
Friday night than anything else. And then by the end of it, we're just like, well, let's just race and let's put our times down. Let's just go away and, and race. And uh, what would you end up 32nd, 36, something like that, Tim? Uh, for the, uh, for the qualification for the quality for the night, qualification, night. Uh, 30, yes, oh, 36. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. 36, we both ended yeah. up in the even uh, split twos or, or dual two, which was a, a godsend to have us both in the same race. Yeah. Um, even though we didn't get to, we did, I don't know whether we didn't get to, but I was just too, let's go to the jewels anyway. I wasn't confident. I'd been making adjustments all weekend. And I was not confident to be on the low line um, for the simple fact that I'd, my, my steering map, my map ratio was at 600, which is a bit twitchy. Uh, I changed it down to 400 for the race, but I wasn't confident enough to change it to 400 right before the duels, before we, we jumped in and started it because I'd practiced on 600 all the way through. And I found when I was, you've got to be, to get the draft, you've got to be basically nose to tail. And we've got a really good photo on the Facebook page of me and Tim nose to tail in practice um, of how close you got to be. But at that stage, you can't see your turning points. Um, Alex, it's not like there's, there's not, there's all this body work in between you and the turning points. So you've really got to be looking outside. And that's what I practice at is, is turning in at this point. You're looking at the yellow line all the time, just trying to stay on that yellow line. All of a sudden, you can't see the yellow line because you've got this big-ass car in front of you. So you're looking at in, into the infield or the outfield trying to find it. So I just felt outside line was going to suit me better because I can at least, if I drift up, I hit the wall. And that's my marker. I don't hit the wall, and I'm fine. Um, the, the downside of that is if there's a crash, the crash usually pushes up into the high line, and you don't have anywhere to go to the low line to escape it. So... I put myself in an awkward situation, but then Tim was happy on the low line. So we didn't really work together, did we? So. Well, we, we didn't, no, we didn't, but we didn't have much of a chance to be honest. It was, nah. I think within the first couple of laps, we, we lost each other. Um, and then we ended up finding each other later on, but going back to the qualifying, the other problem that we had with the setup, like we kept tweaking setups backwards yeah. and forwards, trying to find the right thing. And we're getting basically no improvement, but then, and we had copied the session details, but we both realized we both had different temperatures in our practice sessions. And I think that was because of my session, I had something, the, the generate weather or something like that ticked incorrectly. Even though I'd copied across, I just assumed it'd be the same. But obviously at some point when I've went into practice, I've clicked that box. Because then when I've went in there and done my quality laps, I've set a PB, one about yeah. 12, um, one, one and a half tenths better than I had ever done before. So something was right in the setup, but if I had the right time, some of those other adjustments probably could have made a difference a to getting difference. Yeah, another one, one tenth um, to, you know, because we, we're, we're talking, so Hell yeah. yeah, we're talking, we're doing what, 50 point threes in practice in, in on our own private servers, just doing 50 point threes and not been out of budget. And you're sitting here, Alex, you're watching negative 0.01 and you're super excited because you're like, here we are, we're one one hundredth up. I've found one one hundredth of a second. I've just got to find that 20 more times because all we're aiming for was a low, was a 50.1. 50.1 put us in the top half of the field. 50.0 would have been front of the grid. So you're talking two, three tenths and we're at the front of the field. But where I was, I was 42nd at, at a 50.3. So you're trying to find literally 
thousandths of a second or a hundredth of a second. And yeah, so I had 37 degree track temperature. Tim's got 37 degree track temperature. We're busting trying to get near these times. We just can't do it. And then we hop in the server and it's like 25 degrees. Like, oh, shit. Well, there you go. Well, can I say, though, after all that, like there's a a whole layer of levels and layers of complexity there that I wasn't aware of. I actually watched uh, Casey Curl, and again, I caught a bit of his stream, and I'm sitting there going, he's saying he's qualified, and then there's other, like this was in another league, which I assume now was doing the same thing. Um, And he's saying, I'm qualified, but you're not, I'll help you, and his teammate or whatever. Mm. And I wasn't aware of that. But can I just say that I would have thought that for the first crack at it, First goal's achieved. You're in the field. How many people missed out and and you're in there, right? So that's the first level of your goals. The next level will be there to progress from there and move forward, you know, finish uh, on the lead lap or finish, you know, whatever it is, you know. I mean, Tim's already met all the goals other than winning the damn thing, but, you know, but you know what I mean? Like there's progression yeah. there and uh-huh. you're starting from a good base of just starting in the race. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we did. I, the Jules was nerve-wracking i guess especially so we had no cautions in our jewels whatsoever so 60 laps we come out and i think what three laps in there's already a car spinning um and it checked checked us up or checked me up at the back didn't didn't catch you did it tim you got around not, it okay not yeah not the first one uh there was one later on uh, it got me but um no the the first one i was fine with and it was a lap. It was it was Tristan, wasn't it? it? Started from pit lane, and um, yeah, it's a, to to avoid the carnage. But when you're not in the in in with a pack, you're four seconds a lap slower. So it, you know it only took ten laps for us to catch him, and then all of a sudden he's back in the same pack anyway, and we're too wide trying to go past him. And it got to the back of the field, and here I am. I'm just I'm just sitting at the back for this 40, 50 laps, and then I'm going to start you know making my way through the field, hopefully save fuel jump some positions or, you know, just at the back chilling. And all of a sudden we're three wide and, and two of them collect each other and all of a sudden we, you know, I avoid and I'm good and I'm like, oh, sweet, lift because there's a yellow. Uh, we'll, we'll all catch up in a sec. No no caution called. And I'm like, oh, no. So then I'm off the pack. So now I'm in Tristan's shoes. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm falling back and I'm sitting there going, I'm doing the maths in my head and I'm like, I think I'm 10th of the people who haven't qualified yet, which borderline probably doesn't get me in and then i'm seeing i called out got really excited because someone actually do it disconnected and i could see it happen because they're in front of me and they just vanished from the server and i'm like oh there we go ninth ninth and i'm sitting on the bubble the whole way through you know another couple of accidents still no cautions you do i think i do, did a pretty good pit stop but that didn't help me because i was at the back of the field but a lap down so i'm here waiting for a caution so i can get i mean lucky dog spot the whole way through the race until probably the last 10 laps. So I'm going to get this lap back. I'm just waiting for this caution. Nah, nothing. And then we get to the end finish in 15th, 16th, whatever it was, but of the cars that crashed out and didn't finish, I thought there was one or two that were already pre-qualified and I'm sitting here, I'm on the bubble. I think I'm in, but I'm on the bubble. So then it's a nervous night. Tim's fine. Tim got like what ninth or eighth in the. No, in no, the... no. So you started 17th. I started 16th. I think that was right. I'll just have that up. Um, yeah, so I sorry, I started 17th. You started 18th. Okay. You yep. finished 16th. I finished 12th. Okay. So, yeah. 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 And look, that was, you, you're for me, in. it was, yeah, yeah. I was pretty confident I was in. Um, I felt pretty confident about you being in. Uh, you were worried about it. But, um, 
yeah, look, it was, to be honest for me, it was, it was my first experience at a super speedway because I've never driven, uh, not raced, sorry, uh, on a super speedway, never done officials. Uh, the only one I had done was a little bit of AI practice with the Xfinity cars, which was, you know, um, 20 laps, just getting used to the dual lines, um, seeing how much you could push in the third line if you needed to. Uh, with computer, drive, you know, AI drivers, doesn't matter if you crash, it's just the experience and understanding how the draft works and how you get sucked in and how you can suck other cars back on the, when you go side um, on the side of them. All that was a crazy experience. But I think from that, the um, those races that we did, I, you know, I think um, it was pretty clean the whole race, but the other race, was pretty messy. It ended up finishing about what twenty five minutes after what we finished, just due to uh, yeah, a couple cautions. of cautions, three three or four cautions, I think it was. Yeah, and you know they come out, and there was a couple of big big names that didn't make it at that stage. So um, that's like all they believed they didn't make it. It was it was interesting. A lot more people made it from our split than I thought they would. And I don't know how that worked because I ended up starting thirty sixth or something or other on the grid. Uh, the next day, which I thought I was going to be 40 to 42. Um, so a few people behind me got in as well. So I don't know how that actually worked, but yeah. it did. There was a late pullout and, and someone else got in. So there was still 42 cars um, starting on, on the day and 12.30 my time. I'm all super excited and nervous and everything at the same time. I've done a bit of practice to get the 400 mapping right and, and just fiddle with set it, setups. Um, yeah. didn't help ended up being, at all. Ended I up think it up make it worse. There was forty three. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Then we get to the race and good Leo, I, I, <laughs> We we go. Um, <laughs> so just quickly, my my claim to fame. Uh, practice before the duels on on Saturday night. Number one on the practice timing board. Just just was me. By the way, so let everyone know. I I can sit behind yeah. and suck a draft better than anyone else and not do any work to get that. And um, yeah, I was I'm glad you cleared that part up that it wasn't by yourself and it was with <laughs> no. other drafts. I found a very good pack and I sat behind him and I just drifted back a little bit and then drifted forward at the right times and just got that extra 10th of a second that, that I needed to get me on top. And that was the end of it. So that was really good. But yeah, getting into the, the 500. Um, I don't know how you felt Tim, but I was super nervous, but, um, I I knew I didn't have to set up right, but we we went and uh, I don't know. I just kept on getting balked by cars, and I kept on getting checkups, and and then all of a sudden there was a car coming back through the field, and we we knew he was wanting to get to the tail, and um thought I was fine. I was sitting right at the back, still holding draft. I think the the the, the Group had split at that stage, so it wasn't too much of a concern. But then all of a sudden, I got a whack from in the tail, which has spun me. And and it wasn't this whack in the tail that spun me that got me upset. It was the fact that I just slid up, and the nose is as the right hand side of the nose has hit the the concrete, which I knew was bad. Um, spun me around and back down the infield. Um, get the yellow flag, obviously. Um, saw another car completely lose it behind me as well. So there's three three major people or three major cars damaged out of that. So um, scoot around because pits closed. Get on the tail of the field, pits open, and I go in. I go in. I'm just like I'm just going to go straight down the row. It's going to tell me it's got, it says 50 seconds to go, and I'd missed it completely. Missed my pit bay, 
and I'm looking around everywhere and I can't see it. I'm like, well, that screwed me. So I've just got to keep on going because I know I've got damage. I've got to repair it. I've just wasted time, done a drive through, come back around, hopped in with two laps to go before the green. Um, found out there was about a minute of repairs. So did about all but about 30 seconds um, left before I, I wanted to get back on the tail because I had to do a full lap to get back on the tail before we went green. Um, got back onto the tail, but not fast enough. I damaged, so I fell off the tail pretty quickly and then went a lap down. Uh, kept it in, in position for a while and then, um, yeah, we had another caution and I was in lucky dog position, so I got my lap back, but then had to weigh up the... I've still got 30 seconds of damage here. The car's not quick. I need to get in and get this 30 seconds done. So I pitted instead of taking the lucky dog and came out and the car was still 5Ks an hour on the straight, slower than everyone else. So, um, and the lap down then, um, still in lucky dog position, but at that stage doesn't matter. You're still going backwards faster than you're going forwards and just pedaled around till... Lap 131, I think it was, where big major accident. And I think at that stage, I'm about three or four laps, probably five laps down on the field. And I go up to go around. And just as I go up to go around a car, because all the action happened on the low line, uh, the guy up front has decided to come down and he's hit my nose. And then he's cannoned me straight into the back of the car that stopped the middle of the track. And there's, a, uh, <laughs> there's not a blown engine, but she wasn't wasn't driving well. Um, got around to turn four and blue, uh, and then rolled it all the way through. And I think I was about 40, uh, 35 Ks an hour when I finally hit my bay, pulled her up and it was like 46 minutes of repairs, which at that stage was, um, no good. So I hopped out and watched young Timmy drive on and helped him out. Or probably didn't help him out, but I sat there and watched anyway. Um, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if, um, helping out is, Hey Tim, there's an accident. Watch out! Watch out! Watch out! An accident's yeah, behind I me. And it was, I was terrible. <laughs> I'm not a good spotter. But thank you to Braden for doing the spotting the whole way through. Yeah. He sat down to do it for for the first section, and then just got mesmerised by what was going on. Absolutely enthralled in it, and uh, hung around for the whole race. So two and a half hours of sitting there and spotting for us was an amazing job. So thank you, mate. Uh, but Tim, mate, what happened from your um, far further up field of view? Yeah, look, it was, like I said before, it was all a big learning experience and it's, you know, sitting back in from it now and being able to think about how the race went on, all the little things, little intricacies that you you learn from, you know, you hopefully you're going to be ready for next time because a lot of the things I wasn't expecting. But um, look, I think all I wanted to do for me, the goal was to stay clean and stay as close to the leaders as I could and I'll be there at the end. And honestly, that's my mindset going into it. Uh, and we just, just kept trying to do that. And that was the, my the, mindset too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it was every <laughs> single driver's mindset as well. Uh, so that was planned. So I just kept trying to do that. Did as much as I could to stay on the bottom line where possible. In my mind, when I watched the race, and I don't know if this is why we'd never the, the race never had a strong outside lane, but that outside lane is always, in my mind, the most dangerous position to be out of the two because the inside lane, you can just fly off on the inside onto the grass to keep away from the accidents. Where if you're on the outside lane, you can catch either car behind you or the car on the inside that's going to flick up the embankment and hit you and push you into the wall. And then that flicks you back into other cars. So for and me, it's the safer one. And, and that, 
in general, a car that's going to be lapped will stay high, which means, especially if you're too wide, you either got to make a decision of dropping into that low line, but no one lets you in, or going three wide and being the one in danger. If, but if, if there was a couple of times I had to go three wide when I was going, getting lapped, and I've never held onto a steering wheel so tightly, and I'm going around the try over part, and I'm yeah. just praying to God no one clips me because I don't want to be the person who takes out the leaders in the in the being lapped. Um, but yeah, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, and I think um, the 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 process of the race just continued in in I guess a manner that I tried staying as close to the car in front, and it, the only times we lost the front group was usually when there was a couple of bumping um, and a couple of cars had slowed down and they lost draft. And then, you know, we stuck behind them and created our own group. There was a period there where one of the groups, we lost the front group and then uh, there was two lines going up the back straight and a car tried coming across and fitting into the gap, but the gap wasn't there. And, and that could have been the end of the race because I, he comes straight into my um, front bumper and he went straight off into the wall and he was gone for the rest of the race. So that could have been me. Uh, there was uh, a few instances where, you know, there's, there's a lot of rubbing and pushing and, you know, all those kind of things that you have in NASCAR. And it was an extremely enjoyable race. But I think generally the race was, as I said, pretty clean. And my pits come from all yellow flags. The one thing I do need to work on, which I thought I had worked out extremely well, was my pit stops. I think out of, out of the out of the I think six pit stops that we do I think, I think it's in seven. the race it's seven, yeah, yeah maybe it was seven seven uh, so out of the seven let's minus the last one because the last, last one was, one was per- green perfect yeah. yeah the last one was perfect and it needed to be because I was in the front group like, there was no pressure group. on you at all was there in that last none, one we none, me and Braden were not putting any pressure on you at all none. <laughs> and there was no need to after my first six but out of the six before that. Five of them, five of them, <laughs> I went too far. And the other one, I stopped too early. Sorry, <laughs> right. I, I, right well, at the end, I did a too far, please reverse, then I reversed, and I got, you're too far right, come back over. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Yeah. You, you, guys have seen my, you guys have seen my uh, double bird pit stop, right? Have I shown you that? No. Clip? No. Oh, dude, I'll post your link. It's the best pit stop you've ever seen, honestly. Yeah. And I, I am the master of them, but you guys look to be coming for my crown by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah it was are. it was oh. hilarious. And I pra- honestly, I've practiced it so many times and I deliberately didn't practice in the lead up that day or the previous day because I, I was good. I was good to go, yeah. obviously. And then, um, yeah, doing it. And, no, See, and this, it- is, this is how funny it was because during the race, it was annoying me so many times because I'd done it three times in a row while I was racing, I opened up smart control for my Hoosie pedals and made sure that I hadn't, because there's a setting, obviously you can set the max limit. And I had previously set my max limit to 90%. So I wouldn't lock up. I deliberately had done that in my cars, but I mustn't have saved it. So I, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe it's because I've got it set at 90. I haven't got it set at hundred. So during the race, I've opened it while I'm racing down the straight. I'm like, I'm going to adjust it up. I'm like, hold on trying to work out the calculations while racing and <laughs> it was it was actually at 100 so that wasn't my excuse it was just yeah. my stupid foot and you know the judgment but what it really was was i couldn't see the no. pit stall i really couldn't, I couldn't only, see our number yeah there's only 40 pit stalls in daytona now they've they've changed it um and there's 43 cars so you've got a pit bay for everyone plus the front three had to share so 
under a yellow flag, which 99 or 95% of the pit stops were, every single pit bay has a car in it. Yeah. <laughs> so you've really got to look out. For, and you can't see your team at that stage when it's that packed, especially if you're, you're taking the line like I did the first time where you're just driving through all the invisible cars because you don't want to, you know, be the person who spun someone on pit lane because you've, you've hit them in the back. And, yeah, yeah the, you got no, you can't see anything. <laughs> I was yep. watching, that's the bit of your stream that where I kind of started watching and I just, I felt gutted. I, I saw you drive through your pit bay and the thing there and I just went, well, go, no, mm. what's going on? And I thought, how are you seeing anything? And then I went, oh, clearly you're not. So <laughs> no. I was I was shattered for you, mate. I was so yeah, shattered. It wasn't the start I wanted. And look, I Peter Morris apologised afterwards and Blake Delaney, who was his spotter, came in and apologised that night as well. And I, I said... I've got no hard feelings for either of them. It's fine. It happens. I've made that mistake before. It was. It's just the devastation that it was me and Steve Hoppet that that copped it, <laughs> and no one else did it. I was just trying to beat the back. I was just trying to survive. It wasn't trying to do anything. It just was my bad luck. Thirteen laps into two hundred. That um, that was the end of it. But, you yeah, know, it happens. Like I said, it just happens to me a lot. So yeah. So yeah, yeah Timmy, for, Timmy for, came. Yeah, for well, me, yeah, that, yeah, for me, we for had the rest basically of the, race. the the jewels period left, wasn't it? So it was the sixty laps. Um, no, on... well, before that, we go back to a hundred lap, a hundred. Um, during that period, uh, I'd missed the, I'd avoided a, an accident. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a yellow flag accident, but I avoided some cars getting oh, wrecked. Oh, you and a lap down, and then I lost the the group. So I was by myself for the next probably ten laps, and within that, the leaders caught me, and I lost a lap. And then yep. not First long time after I got that, to over, overtake Timmy in the race. Well done. <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, congratulations to you. And what? So yeah, I just I just tried catching a, like staying with someone who was coming past. And then uh, we got a. Then it was pits. Um, then we pitted under green, and I lost another lap. I got the lap back the next time round. And then not long after that, we had a yellow pitted. I think that was a good pit. I can't remember. Probably not. And then come back out. At that point, I was third in line for Lucky Dog. We went around, oh. started racing, and there was a massive accident in front of me. And we don't. Braden had already been giving me tips. There's two cars, two or three cars in front of me for Lucky Dog. Lucky Dog, and massive accident. I went through it, avoided it, went low, and come through it. And then Braden goes, Tim, all the cars that were in front of you just crashed. <laughs> don't pit you got lucky dog and we come around and literally come up pop, popping up on the screen and i was uh, i was wrapped very happy so yeah, i went around kept going i had literally had been i was full on fuel i had like three liters taken out or four liters taken out so it was it was perfect and then um from that point on yeah it was just sticking with the group that we we're with and that was pretty it's just staying clean for the next yeah, 60 laps we had another green um uh, green flag pit stop with 20 left um at that point, it was um, once again perfect, perfect pit stop. Uh, learned my it lesson had from to the be others. At that stage, like it that's had to the be. only one you've yeah. got to nail, because yeah. if you lose the, the pack, then you've lost. You, you lose so many positions. Yeah. So. yeah, so it went really well. Uh, we hadn't. I only changed tyres once in the whole race, uh, which was which was good. And um, then yeah, just stuck with that group until the end. And what goes the group that was there? We had um, some. Uh, was it? Um, Hobbo coming on the outside, one kept coming down the outside. He kept trying to create a line to get down to the front. Oh, and it just, yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah. think it was. And he, yeah, he just couldn't get to the front. So he kept falling back in. And then um, I thought, um, then he, at one point, I thought I'd join him to help him push, but he ended up jumping in to the inside lane. Was, so yeah. I, then I got stuck outside by myself for a bit. So I was able to push back in. And then next lap, I um, thought I would uh, do the same. He started, he, he actually tried popping out again. So I thought, okay, I'll join him and help push him, pushed him up a bit. So I stole his bat spot back on the inside. And then I uh, <laughs> <laughs> thought, let's just stick here for a little while. And then, um, and then, yeah, we just, I just kept going. We had three laps left and I thought, look, I'm, I'm happy where I am. I was in, uh, I think I was in eighth or ninth at the time. I was happy with that result. I was happy with 12th. I said to the guys earlier, like I was happy with the top 20. I was happy with the top 15. And then we've been, you know, smart asses. I was like, stuff this. I can get fifth here. Let's go for it. <laughs> so what have I got to lose? As long as I don't wreck, it's fine. So about um, three laps left, two laps left. Let's stuff it. Let's get a bit of, I needed to get a bigger kick off the draft. I should have sat back a little bit further, uh, but I didn't. Still worked a little bit, took the inside, had someone follow me. We stayed in that position and I actually lost about three positions. But then coming back down the back straight, I got a little bit of a push, pulled me up. I lost a bit of momentum on turn three and I dropped down and it looked scary on the camera when you look back on it. Uh, <laughs> but because uh, yes, the goes, oh shit. <laughs> um, and then... Um, and then all of a sudden, I just got this massive kick of speed. It just pulled in. I was ended up by the by the, the finish line. I was about eight kilometers uh, faster than all the cars around me. So I was flying and catching back up, but just obviously not enough time. Yeah, finished in ninth, and then obviously, um, yeah, JCW got um, disqualified, and that put me up into eighth. So, so tell yeah. me about that. So I, I was talking to Carl after the race. I remember seeing the incident or something happen. I can't remember clearly what happened. But I said to him, so I might get disqualified. Are they going to, the results going to stand? What's the story that he said? Oh, it's, there's secret squirrel <laughs> stuff going on. They're talking about it. So tell me what happened in the end. So, so background yeah. to it, um, JCW and Andrew Dyson were battling for first and second. Um, coming around the back, was it out of turn four? Uh, Dyson yeah. tried to get a run? Yeah, turn three and uh, turn three got momentum and was basically the middle of turn three and turn four and started to take the high line and then JCW went up and blocked him and then Dyson pulled back down to the bottom line and JCW went back down and blocked him and then Dyson went back up the top and Dyson actually got a little bit ahead of his um, rear end, rear quarter and JCW basically pushed him up into the wall. That's the way it appears on the on the camera, uh, and JCW yeah. said in the, you know in his um, post post race interview that he just had to give it a shot and just try, and he wanted to leave it on the line. But DQ's a very different position to a second. Um, yeah. So and and it's more it, it was a more brutal, and I'm not saying it was it, it was over overdone or anything like that. I'm just just want to give the the scope of what he actually got penalised. So he not only did he get disqualified, so no first, no second, no third, no 15th. He, he just is disqualified from the Daytona 500. He's got a one-race ban as well with Anne's car oh. uh, with the Cup Series. Um, he's also got a six-month probation. So if it happens again, there's there's bigger um, repercussions that come of it in the next six months. So it's not just a right. simple, yeah, he got disqualified. That's pretty harsh. It's a big, big hit. And mm. it was interesting talking to Ed afterwards. Like Ed was in the big group of us and everyone was asking about it. And Ed, Ed's JCW's teammate. So he's like, well, I can't say a word <laughs> because I'm not going to be part of this. Like we've got a whole team that's here to to look at this incident, 
without me. So they will come up with what they see fit and that's fine. And he's just like, yeah, he blocked and then he blocked again. And then he sort of late blocked is the best way I can say it. But, you know, it's, it is what it was ruled on. So uh, there was other cars, lapped cars coming up that was sort of playing into all that drama as well, which didn't really help. But um, Well, yeah. the other one that, the other one that I remember was, uh, and I could you could hear it in the background of the broadcast. Edward having his say on the radio after a, the... he has okay. So yeah, Ed Ed went off the handle. Now Ed's got some stuff with like as all of us have, but he's got some serious stuff going on in the background as well. Now his frustration flew in this incident where the three of them they battled hard. There's only about ten laps to go, fifteen laps to go at this stage. The three of them have got about a twenty second lead. They dropped fourth and fifth so it was a podium race okay at this stage they'd done their pit stop um neil pearson had spun coming out of the pits and um someone else had just had a bad pit stop so they dropped off i think it was hobo actually so that left the ed ed jcw and andrew dyson the three of them are going to be one two three in in some order with about 10 15 to go and Skurly is there he's up in top line everyone's gone high they're saying everyone move high you know let us through and probably about 100 metres out from being overtaken. Skirley's just dropped to the low line. And they're on the radio. Move, move, please move, move, move. And then JCW's hit the back of Skirley, which is then the three of them have then collided and Ed's just been spat out to the side. And into not only, you know when it's your, not your day, he gets spit out across the infield, just cuts across the corner of pit lane, which means he's now speeding in pit lane. He then ricochets off the wall bounces back out in the infield. So he's now then gets gets the car back out going, plus he's got to go in and serve a drive-through. So he has, yes, he's let it rip at that stage. And you can sort of understand why. Yeah, but look, I wasn't, no, nah, I wasn't casting any shade. I'd just say that the, the, the lighthearted bit of it was you could sort of catch the, the quiet, the, <laughs> yeah. uh, quiet little spray in the background. Yeah. But, yeah, I was stunned when I saw that, particularly, yeah. I mean, Michael's not an inexperienced guy either, no, right? Like not. mistakes happen. You know, sometimes at a race he, like that, maybe fell asleep at the wheel. I don't know. But that he was literally massive. said his, his concentration had just gone. He was not focused on anything. He'd been going for two odd hours and he just lost concentration completely and and didn't realise that they'd come up. Would was just not concentrating at all. So he under, 100% knows it's his fault. 100% yeah. feels, feels yeah. terrible for it. Um, yeah. Like I said, Ed has come out and apologised for the spray, which, like I said, sort of justified. But, yeah, can't be done when you're the the, the broadcast or the, the league Oh, mate, I'm sitting there saying, can I say, the passion on display across the board, I can hear it in you guys' voices, I can see it in in the broadcasts and the people broadcasting, and then some of the events in the race and and the stuff that unfolded, it was, you know, a really good spectacle, and you see why people buy into it so much, you know, it was great. It's a level up from anything that I've raced outside of probably the Bathurst 12-hour now, like, it, it is a true enduro for a single person. Like, it was two hours and 40-odd minutes of, of racing, two and a half ma- uh, minimum. It's it's a serious thing. And, and the, the lead-up to get into it is such a big part of it as well. So it's not just like it's cool, I just, I logged in, I'm, I'm racing, let's see how we go. It's, you've put weeks into setup for some, probably months into setups for some people, and not just one setup, but a quality setup and a race setup. 
then you've gone through the qualification process you've got into the race into where you want to do and then you've done two and a half hours of racing so yeah there's there's plenty of passion on the line i tell you what um but yeah tim overall obviously you're happy with the experience but um what was yeah taking of, of the daytona 500 and speed week yeah very enjoyable very enjoyable like it was to be honest it was a pretty tough day i had that obviously long race we had three nights or whatever it was before that and i obviously had a huge week at work but on top of that i had to play basketball straight after that so it was end up being what three or three and a half hours in the seat plus then a game of basketball and it's not you know it was pretty it's not it's not social biz basketball so i was no. I was, pre- I was pretty pooped to be honest and my calf muscles weren't in a great position the next morning but uh it was enjoyable i loved it i absolutely loved it i'm disappointed i'm not going to get this week uh coming because I'm, I'm flying to melbourne tomorrow for the next two nights for work but it um it was yeah very enjoyable and and i can't wait to to get back for vegas on the third of march to be honest yeah and i, I look i i I not jokingly, but I like so I, I had a, a day like Tim, so I went practice for a good hour, then when I got off, then got on for the half hour practice, and then the race. So there's four hours ish in the in the sim by by four thirty in the afternoon. Hop off, all just running through your head. That's all that's going on. And then I rock up for a seven o'clock session for the V8s at Hockenheim, mm. which I have not done any practice for whatsoever. Like all of the whole focus is Hockenheim. Oh, sorry, is um, Daytona, and then I hopped into Hockenheim, which I had raced the V8 at before. So that's a good start. But then I did another, what, two hours or hour and a half that night in the V8s, which I'll talk about, I guess, later. But yeah, it was a, it was definitely a day. And then to come out of it with zero points um at the end of the night for the daytona 500 because i copped a penalty in the daytona 500 and i only got five points for the actual round so i got relegated back to 41st or something <laughs> out of 43 or 42 whatever they classified i'm only had negative is, points when i saw that i was like oh no wilgo's not gonna like this because he didn't mention it yesterday <laughs> yeah so it was um yeah it, it very disheartening to get to, to literally get nothing from it uh, except yep. for the experience, but yeah, I, I made a mistake. I in a restart, I got a run. It's like these the runs that Tim was talking about before. It was, it, it's always caught me out because I'd get a run on someone and I'd come up and I, I don't know whether they're checking up at the same time, but I just I was going to hit them and not just bump draft them. I was going to hit them in the rear. Hmm. So I'd have to pull up high, and I did that before the start finish line, which meant I've changed lanes before the start finish line. And I'm like, I don't want to overtake. I don't want to overtake. But that's me getting mixed up with rules on 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 restarts on different leagues um and then you just can't change lanes and that's what i did but i didn't want to obviously max the guy in front and um yeah that that's minus five points for the season straight up so that's my five points gone (laughs) there was i think for for me one of the the takeaways well one of the interesting things i found was just my mindset during the race and obviously the gap to leave or keep behind the car in front oh, and yeah. want to be as close to them as possible, of course. But the way that we were driving and practicing, I could only get so close and I couldn't get mm. any closer unless I dropped off and then punched forward. So that that was a learning and probably something that I need to continue to work on and try and work out how I get closer and stay closer. But um, one other fun thing was, uh, like I mentioned before, was the, the two lanes. And I was very shocked that we didn't have stronger lanes on the outside because i would have been happy to support it towards the near the end of the race but all the drivers kept dropping down as soon as they got a chance to take that first spot the second spot on the inside line they kept dropping down but when you watch the daytona 500 
in real life, the outside lane was the stronger one for much of that race. And they, a lot of them stayed yeah. on the outside and they kept yeah. the longest trail on the outside. And there's times there in the last 20 or so laps, 20, 20, 30 laps, where we, after we had a restart, there was that second line being created and we're going up further, further, further. And that's where I made my spaces up to get into that top top 10 um, area. And But then what happened was all those, the top three, four, five cars dropped down They'd and there was two over. of us stuck. Yeah, there was mm. two of us stuck there. And, and what that was doing was whoever was next on, I think it was next to Ed at the time, it was actually pulling Ed away from the front cars mm. and slowing them down. But at the same time, <laughs> we don't have much choice. What are we supposed to do when you're in this yeah. situation? It's either we find a hole to fall in, which there was none because you've got such great drivers in that area, and we fall to the back of that line and then get hit by someone going out of line and pushing us back into a second group. Or do we stay there and pull them back so that way at least we fill into that spot and we've separated with them, not you know three or four groups back towards the end. Uh, luckily, I think we both were able to slot in, slot in somewhere not not long after that. But uh, it was yeah, lots of lots of stuff, lots of stuff to learn. And obviously, there's a lot of experience in that group. And most of those front guys have been doing it for a long time, and they know you know a lot about that that kind of kind of racing. It's not something I yeah. religiously follow, but I love racing, and you know, it's, so far it's been incredibly enjoyable. Yeah. So something. Alex, you know, in the skips is you, you're point eight seconds behind a car. You'll you'll suck right up to it. In a NASCAR, as soon as you're more than point five seconds behind, in these cars, you lose them. Like, and you lose them quick. There's there's no way to get them back. That if it's more than one point, car, if it's if more it's than more one than car, one. Yeah. yeah. So it, at that point, point four to point five is awful, and there's no way to, to increase your speed. Because you're at max level, so as soon as you get to point four, if you're going back, you've already lost that that thing. So you're talking about a very small window of opportunity. But as you were talking about them with the side draft in the skippies, you know, you side by side, you're actually going as quick as the best way to draft. In NASCAR, you saw Sheedy was got alongside Ed, and that's what he got really fiery about was um, Sheedy was just sitting there next to him, and they just straight up lost the group group in front. Because the back. side draft yeah. actually pulls pulls the car next to you back. Like you get a little bit of extra speed if you're just doing it by yourselves. But as soon as you're doing it within a trail of guys, that was the best way to split the group up was just drop down and sit next to the car. You you got your bump to to, to not draw fall back, but then you you pulled them away and, and let the let the pack go away from them. And it was just yeah, it was bizarre. And I'd never even practiced any kind of stuff like that, so I didn't know. That, that was the thing so then that makes sense the way i was driving early on i'm like I've, we're losing this group, group and i'm blaming everyone else but it's actually probably me because i was sitting there side drafting people and not you know trying to get in line and well, i know this yeah. now for for, ne- for next races so but with yeah. a little bit of a little bit of ai that i did and that was one of the things that i didn't i wasn't confident about doing during that kind of race but one of the things i found when i was doing the ai was that if you were side drafting you had to be close otherwise it didn't work yeah. But as soon as you got to the right level, it helped you pull you forward. And that seemed to help us the other night. And I got to try it once or twice when I was with um, Wade, but it it does help you if you're close enough to suck you forward. But it also, the problem with it is it's extremely dangerous because you just, it's unpredictable yeah. what the car, the car next to you is yeah. going to do. But in AI, it's easy. The cars don't move. Yeah. Anyway, that's the Daytona anyway. 500. It happened. It was a yeah. thing. It was exciting for those up front and it was not exciting for those down back. Um, 
No, it was a good race. Well done, Ian Scarf. We're on another good good year of Daytona 500. And we bring on mm. Auto Club this week so that I'll be practicing for in the next day or two because it's actually Thursday night. Back to Thursday night racing, which is really good. Now, before we go on to a little bit of other things, Michaela, what have you been doing, mate? What have you been up to? Now we're 45 <laughs> minutes into the podcast. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, a uh, bit of racing, a bit of broadcasting. Did the... Both uh, Aussie Car Series, final round of the Skips course, and then the the TCRs last night. But um, Skips at Nords was a, was a thing. Uh, great way to go into the final round in the in the championship context. You had the top three, myself, um, John Skoltz, and uh, Cameron Dance. You know, neck and neck. There was a point between Skoltz and myself after the mistake I made the previous week at Motagi, and then. Um, you know, Cameron, a handful of points behind. And we put it one, two, three on the grid uh, and uh, away she went, you know. Like my thinking during the week, uh, my money was on John to potentially win the race uh, and um, and most definitely win the series um, as a result because the way we go into it, Whoever finishes in front between John and I finishes ahead in the championship, and uh, depending on where we finished in relation to the to Cameron, wins the championship. So Cameron finishing uh, first, um, as long as John and I are in and around each other near him, then you know one of us wins it, right? Um, so going in that context, it you couldn't have written it better. Um, but then for myself. Oh, mate, I tell you, I walked away just so gutted. Uh, I, I, I really wanted to, you know, I, I felt, I almost felt defeated before I went into it because I knew uh, John has this uh, incredible uh, ability to concentrate and uh, he he keeps it really under control very, very well in terms of his nerves and his execution. And he made a really definitive move on, uh, I, I think it was the third or the fourth lap, uh, there were four of us, uh, three contenders and, and uh, Russell. And um, he, I saw him make a definitive move to go in front of Cameron. And all I was thinking on the night was, I just want to stick with Cameron. He had a second or two, like a legit second or two's pace, but closer to two seconds of pace around an eight-minute lap um, on the rest of us. And I just thought if I could stick with him and stick in his draft, I'd be sweet. Um, and then... I saw John move to the front. I thought, oh, well, that's okay. Cameron won't get a breakaway. It'll just be John at the front. So I sat behind. And then, um, oh, mate, Russell Clark, the third Esquire, pulls into the pits out of nowhere. And I just, you know, didn't adjust quick enough. And then Cameron and John were gone. I'd lost the draft. That was it. All she wrote. And I'm out. I'm literally out with four laps wow. to go. What's, what's Russell was, doing out of the pits? I don't know what Russell's strategy was. Like it was a legit, and he said afterwards it was a massive mistake on his part because he never saw the front pack again. Right? Yeah. Um, Cameron has a wizardry when it comes to pit stops. Um, I pitted straight behind him the next lap, and he walked away like he broke. Smell. I don't know what they yeah. do, what they pay eye racing, but you know. Well, it was it was stunning at Hungaro Ring. He literally, in the space of a lap, I think I think we pitted one lap apart. He made four seconds. He was two seconds behind on the way in and two seconds in front on the way out. And I did not have a bad pit stop. 
I just don't get it, you know. Mind you, he, he short fueled and he was lifting a lot to get home. But <laughs> yep. um, it was that. Anyway, long story short, um, uh, the only sign of nerves I saw from John the whole night was in the final couple of sectors. He had about a, I don't know, four and a half second gap on me. Cameron was long gone. Uh, but by the finish, it was maybe two and a half seconds. That was the only thing I saw the whole night. He was stoked. Um, and I was really pleased for him. He's a really strong driver. Nobody sort of sees that a lot of the time because he just goes about his business quietly. Um, but he's remarkably strong in the skips and in uh, he, he raced with us in the Bathurst 12 hours as well. And there's a reason why we sort of asked him. Well, there's a few people we asked him, that we, but he was the first one because he has that, that amazing uh, ability to focus and concentrate under uh, quite a bit of pressure. So a lot of fun there. And then the TCRs last night, uh, Tim, that was a bit of fun. <laughs> I enjoyed, um, well, you know, what... Tim is shaking his head here, by the way. Yeah, I know. We sort of had the chance to race together for the first time uh, this season probably and uh, in the second race. And then I looked back and I figured out why because he pitted first lap and I didn't. And I pitted sort of, and that was the difference, right? In out. <laughs> but in the first rat, in the first race though, um, uh, best racing, the most enjoyable racing I had all season, and it's the first time I've enjoyed the pack racing at, at that short Watkins Glen Oval type layout because the draft kept me in it rather than kept other people in it sort of thing. And so I was able to race with people, which was really enjoyable, um, which I haven't had the great opportunity to do. And then so I got to race with AJ, Ben and, and Braden and a few other folks around that, I, you know, people that are out of my league in that car. So uh, that was really enjoyable. And like I said, rolled double eights, got uh, eighth in the first race. And then the second race, I just, yeah, I haven't been, been uh, game to watch the broadcast back because we reversed grid for the top 10, started third, and then just for the first time this season lit the fronts up off the line and went nowhere. <laughs> and then like, I went nowhere and then I went nowhere again. Like I took my foot off the gas, slowly applied it back on the things that are still spinning. I went, what on earth have I done here? I don't know what happened. But they were spinning for about three quarters of the, the line to the first corner. I don't know what happened and, except everyone passed me. And then... Um, Somewhere along the line, I ended up in my staple, which is uh, 14th position. I can, I can tell you, there will barely be a race two that's gone by this season that I haven't finished 14th on the track. One thing, I got, I got bumped up to 13th once because of a, a DQ or something. And then all of a sudden, there was a six-car implosion in front of me. <laughs> like you, like it was incredible. You, you were right behind me, Tim, and I was the calling. Seas it, hey, it the seas parted. Yeah. <laughs> there were no joke. I was my life was in danger from all the wheels threatening to come through my windscreen. <laughs> there was stuff and things flying everywhere. It now, was my understanding is this is yet another time Aussie car is being nominated for the top yeah. ten. I yeah, say the bottom yeah. ten, the bottom, yeah, bottom yeah, ten. top ten I'm, fails or something. Yeah, yeah. There was wheels bouncing and like I, oh. the first part of that accident, I'd slowed down and I was like, "There's wheels and spoilers everywhere." And then yeah, literally, I'm looking everywhere. in front of me, and there's like two wheels. It was almost like tandem bouncing down the road in front of me. I was like, "I'd better slow down and go around these things." Yeah, yeah, it was crazy, you know. And mm. I just, I just saw the smoke, and then I just saw. I don't know, Thunderdome, Mad Max style, everywhere. It was just crazy. Anyway, it was, you know, it was an eventful race and suddenly I've gone from my Magic 14 up to 8th just because six cars imploded. So 
Um, I felt for a couple of folk involved in there. It was a, you know, one of those things, two cars, and Iris said it, a couple of cars going for the same spot. You could argue, well, I don't know, I saw it as a racing incident pretty much. But the, the thing I would suggest, the, the one lesson I would suggest that there was one driver in particular that should learn out of that is hold your brakes. At yeah. no point were, were brakes held. I saw... I watched the replay a couple of times and I saw the, I saw the brake lights flick on for a moment where I can only assume he accidentally touched the pedal or flicked the pedal in a crash because they were straight off again, back out in the centre of the track and yeah. four cars, you know, that sort of thing. That was the one criticism I had. The rest of it I was kind of, you know, okay with in terms of it was a racing incident. I would have been gutted if I'd been caught up into it. But um, other than that, mate, um, yeah, look, I enjoyed the, the pack racing there, which is something I haven't been able to participate in because I just haven't been quick enough in them. So from that point of view, it was good. Tim, you didn't seem to have the same experience? No. No. Well, look, yeah, well, look, <laughs> watching my words. Uh, one thing I would say about that accident, uh, the one that you're talking about, Alex, is that, in officials earlier in the season, um, I had a similar uh, two accidents in the same race in the same spot as what Nick Wood had and whoever else he was with. The thing with that that spot is that the off track is not right on the left side. It's just of that not track. there. It's, it's just not there. there. Is there and that's one there? the problem. No, there's not. And that's the problem is that people mm. learn that and they go outside and they don't they forget that there's a car next to them. And yeah. I don't. I'm not saying it's the guy on the outside's fault. Um, but both cars that are going down, I think racing incident was the right call, but the car that's on the track doesn't know where this other car is because it's so far wide at times and it's not an off track. You're not going to lose time. At the same time, the car coming back out and coming going on the outside probably thinks he's got some ejector speed that he's going to be okay and should be able to just get his car back on the track, uh, but he come back in pretty early. So it was a mess, but yeah, look, yeah, well, for yeah. me, yeah. Yeah, well, a couple of things was, just on that. Though. Look, before yeah. before we move off that particular point, I look and again, I'm I'm no Lightning McQueen in those cars, but um, I found the wider you went, it cost you more time, probably because you're covering more track distance. I found the racing line, or as you would expect it to be, was the fastest for me. So yeah. um, others might have been able to make that work, but I couldn't. Uh, the other corner that I equate that to is Turn Five at Road America, uh, the heavy braking zone into the left-hander at one of the end of the one of the long straights in the end of the second sector. Um, and I've done a couple of lap guides there where I say that uh, there's all that um, exit curbing and all the stuff, and they've actually in the recent adjustments to the track they've made it wider before you pick up the one X there more than uh, more than yep. not, uh, which surprised me in of itself, but. Um, I've always said in there that the car on the track has all the rights. The car off the track has none of the rights. So whether or not you choose to stick to that principle or like me, and I say that again in the lap guys that I did, I will let you on because I want to keep racing Um, and I have no guarantees and it's something we saw in SNL this week as well. And I learned that lesson in the Vs. I think I said it the other week that I won't squeeze people. If someone goes to draft on the inside of a wide track approaching the inside of the next corner, I could hold my line if I've covered a little bit or hold them over to the inside. But my experience with that is it invariably ends in misery when, you know, you don't know if they're on a single screen, they're on what happened. And we saw it in SNL this week with Vasco and, and Tim Hendrickson. Um, Tim Race is a, is a very fast Dutch driver. Um, 
he um, uh, races with a single screen and like a G29 taped to a kitchen desk sort of thing, right? <laughs> but he's incredibly fast. Like he's world standard fast typically, right? Um, and Vasco doesn't know Tim because he hasn't been racing much with us, but he and he doesn't know that he races on a single monitor. Um, he got a good run. Tim squeezed him on the apex of one of the, the sort of the curvy straight towards the final chicane at Nerve GP. Um, uh, and Navasco held him out outside. Tim just came across like he wasn't there. Um, it happens in those sorts of scenarios. And that's what I talk about with making your own luck. In those sorts of scenarios, you position your car where you're going to survive to live to fight another day. Uh, for me, there's there's very little benefit to keeping someone out there. So in that situation, um, you know, I haven't had a clear call. I know there's someone on the outside somewhere. I'm leaving them enough room. And that's not yeah. a criticism. That's just how I do it. It comes down to the point is, is what's your definition of, of leaving the track? Like physically you you can see the track, you've left it, but as far as iRacing is concerned, technically you're not off track. So are you leaving the track and are you are you re-entering the track? Is 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 it up to interpretation? I say yes. Like you need mm. to make your own way on and, and they don't have to give room for you. But mm. technically under iRacing's definition, there's no off track. So Correct. you're just so, uh, yeah. good point that you make. Uh my only argument to that is the white line on the outside. It's there for a reason. Uh, isn't ends, it? <laughs> it, well, that and it ends up in a wall pretty quickly if you're on the left hand side of it yeah. on that straight. So yeah I, uh, yeah, I can just see the argument of well, iRacing lets me go there. So mm. And it was the same with the the back in the day with the Perez line at Silverstone. Like, iRacing lets you go there. So is it part of the track? Like, if you just blur the lines and don't look at it, that's where it lets you go. So that's the track as far as iRacing. Yeah, racers push the limits. They always do. It's not until yeah. the stewards say, you know, don't cut the track at turn whatever. You see it in yeah. F1. You see in the V8s here where they've got the actual sensors in the car that yeah. tell them when they've been curb hopping and all the rest of it. And you're right. Uh, if there's no one X out there, there's a strong argument to be made. Um, I think it's the most ridiculous track revision I've ever seen when it comes to incident points. Absolutely ridiculous. Agreed. Turn Agreed. one used to be a farce, and yeah. now it's it's, it's as it should be. Well, I think it's as it should be in turn one, right? Yep. Um, but the rest of the track, you may as well not have ripple strips or anything marking the, all the white lines marking See, that. It's ridiculous. This is what I don't understand, right? iRacing came up with that big thing when Red Bull Ring comes out. Here's our new yep. process. It's gonna. It's, it knows where the white line is. It knows as soon as you've got four wheels outside that white line, as soon as you re-enter, you've got a one X. Why wasn't that implemented at every track they've they've done since? And then retrofitted like it's only Spa Red Bull Ring, as far as I'm aware, and I think there might be one other, but like we've seen nothing of it, and that's the thing that. It's bizarre to me with iRacing. They make these really cool decisions and they change these things in very specific situations and you think, cool, here we go, there's a great future coming ahead. And then they stop. And this is where I, this is the, the developer side of me. I'm not a developer. But I've, I've talked to a lot of developers in my gaming um, podcasting past. I'm thinking, cool, they just tested something out for the next version. And... That's where I'm going. It's like, well, they're not going to spend the time to retrofit that in, all into the iRacing tracks now when they've got a new build they're working on, which we know they're buying up studios and that kind of stuff. So, cool, that's exciting. The next version of iRacing, when we see it in you know two to three to four years, is going to have all this cool stuff that we really like them doing, but they just won't do it. But that doesn't help us now at all. When, mate, when, when you build a framework or you build a standard... You're right. Retrofitting it is one thing. Applying that standard going forward to everything you do is a staple. 
Yes. I don't understand. I do not understand how they could let those track limits at Watkins Glen get through. Especially it's, when it's they read Preposterous. They, they clearly redid them because term one is completely different. <laughs> so if they spent that time, why not? Yeah, anyway. Cool. Yeah, who knows, mate? You have to get it in the mind of the iRacing guys, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll fin- yeah let me finish off. I'll finish off with Ozzy but because it'll take yeah. two seconds. Uh, second race, you're right, Alex. You got me. Uh, well done. Congratulations. Oh, no, I, that's not what I was saying. It was the only time we raced together all season. And it was only because you had a tyre deficit of like half the race. So. Yeah. And the thing, the worst thing is, is one of the other races I stuffed up, it was like the first race, I think. And I pitted early. Just, I was like, I'm going to pit early. And I stuffed up my fuel load. And, and I, I learned my lesson after that race. I said, I'm not going to pit lap one. And then I pitted lap one and I, in this race. And purely because of what happened in race one, and Tim was going in. I thought maybe we can work together. Maybe that back straight. There's a bit of draft, and but it didn't happen. So, yeah, tires were ruined. Just too much heat in them by the end. It's not wear. It's just it's just heat in those in those Audis, and that's why the the, the Audis work perfectly with a you know twenty to twenty five liter um, tank. But anything more than that, um, it starts to become struggle. But the first race, yeah, look, first race qualified third. I felt fast. I hadn't done a lot of practice, um, and early in the season I'd done. Even the official that I did, I had only done a little bit of practice, but I'd know that know that track pretty well. Uh, but I've never had luck with it, and once again, I didn't have luck with it. And yeah, on the on the carousel turn at the end, if that's what you call it, I knew my big thing is if I was going to go into that corner, that's one of the more dangerous corners because it's so easy to run wide, particularly if you're aiming for that apex and you hit the bump before that. It can particularly with the Audi, it kicks you, and. I stayed safe, like I stayed really true to that corner. I hit the apex, I stuck with it, and yeah, I got tagged. And unfortunately, it, it, Marty was next to me. I hit Marty, and it ruined Marty's race as well. But you know, the, the it is what it is, and and we move on, and it ruined the rest of the night. But as I said, next week, yes, next week. <laughs> um, so quickly touching back on the V8s, I did at Hockenheim. Um, was pretty happy with not. Uh, doing many mistakes and, and being not far off the pace uh, for zero practice going into it. Um, but then cu- couldn't get a qualifying lap together. I strung one together, which put me actually further up the field than I should have been. Um, so I was like 18th, 19th or something other. So I started off there. Turn one in Hockenheim in a split two of a V8 series is not the best way to start the race. Uh, four, four wide, five wide into that corner and... Um, cars flying everywhere even before the, the, the turn one there was cars flying everywhere people bumping into each other um i got through unscathed i went really slow through it got through unscathed but then end of the first straight where the hairpin is the the really bad hairpin at hockenheim i, I we went back and looked at the replay so i think we raced for about an hour i spent about another hour just laughing at all the replays we went back and watched of, of all the incidents that happened in the night it Look, these guys are great, but there was some really terrible driving, um, which was entertaining, I guess. But I'm 10, 10 car lengths back from this guy, and I've put the brake on at my normal spot a bit earlier because I thought, you know, I don't want to do anything silly. And then all of a sudden, with about 50 to go, I'm still approaching him at an extremely fast speed because he's stopped pretty much. So I've had to pull left and slam the brakes on and then spun. I was about 50. It was about 100 left, sorry, because it was you'd be turning by about 50, but it was about 100 left. And I'm like hitting him gonna hit him in the rear and i've closed 10 car lengths to get to this point so i've pulled it left locked it up put her into the wall spun around kept on going and um just raced out and 
didn't fix the damage. It was only it was three twenty minute races, so you know by the time you've hit, it's not worth it. Um, had some interesting battles at that one, but um, then got got. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Going into the we didn't we skipped the first stadium section. We had to do the last stadium section, so that that right hander at the end of the really long straight. Turn seven, I think it technically is, because I had to call it out to race control after two guys spun at the hairpin. I've got in front. I've got to run. You see him behind halfway down the straight. He's pulled out to sort of, you know, going to deep dive bomb me. And I'm like, I've got the braking market down pat for this. I know this corner by the back of my hand. You're not going to outbreak me. So then I've hit my brake marker perfectly. He's pulled in behind me at this stage. So I'm like, okay, cool. He's going to brake early and he'll be fine. He just didn't break. Used me as a brake, literally flung me off, and then made the made the corner perfectly. There was no way he was going to make it without using me as a physical brake. And I'm like, race control. And he got a he got black flag for that. But then went on, finished 20, like almost dead last. Started the next race. Same thing happened, turn one. Cars going everywhere. I come around the corner. I literally cut the corner on the inside. I'm going about 5Ks an hour. Roy Clark's here laughing at me when he's looking at the replay. He goes, you you are so slow through here. This is ridiculous. And you can see me then start to speed up because the road's clear. And then all of a sudden, you were talking about brake holding before. Guys on the inside there, you know where there's gravel? He's just put the foot down and he's just flicked it sideways in the gravel and come straight across the track at a right angle, hit the guy in front of me, which has then hit, the, hit him into me. And my car's got a, got a meatball um from there so limped it around chucked her in i think i ended up blowing the engine on that one uh because the car was that wrecked towed come out uh pretty much behind the leaders um lapped for a bit had a bit of a, a battle with a guy that was still a lap down as well that i think i'd hit in that process um but yeah once again just sort of lapping for the fun of it and then the third race was uh, everyone got through the first corner okay, and then it was sort of, you know, I had had fairly good pace and stayed with people, but they just kept on making silly mistakes. And like I said, this is at the fourth, four and a half, five hour mark of sitting in the rig for the night, and I was probably not concentrating. And I think I still end up coming eighteenth or sixteenth or something other in in the last race, which wasn't many points for the night, but it was successful. So I actually did it, which is the main thing. But um. Yeah, there was some. <laughs> There's one guy, the same guy, breaking at the like the 250 marker. We reckon it was for the hairpin, where where the braking marker's the 150. So every time you'd come up to it, he'd just, you'd slam on the brakes and you'd be going slow. You'd have to almost accelerate to go into it. And then the first race, first time into that hairpin on lap on race three, I've seen him behind me, so I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's going to break miles back. It'd be fine. All of a sudden, he jumps out on the inside and starts diving, dive bomber down the inside. Still hits the 250 brake marker, but then lifts off his brakes at about the 150. You see his brake lights go off, and then he's put them back on again. And then he's realized at about the probably 75 mark that he's going too fast into the corner still. So puts his brake down further while turning and just spins out, hits the car, probably two in front of me. Not only flips him, but flips him so he, the roof never touches the ground. So it flips it, lands on its wheels again, then bounces and does another flip and lands on its wheels again and keeps going. No damage to the roof. No damage to the bonnet. I think the bonnet actually retro flies off about half half a lap later, but the wing just clipped the ground. But yeah, there was some weird racing that night. But um, yeah, it's 
Sim Racing World Super Split 2's Braden's leading the championship or just about leading the championship. And I think we've got the, the team's championship we're in front of as well. So well done to those boys. Buzzer had a pretty good night except for one race and uh, Mighty had a really good night as well. Uh, so well done to all those guys. Last thing I want to touch on, we did launch broadcasting this week. Uh, sorry, last week, me and Carl Withy did the Thunder Series on Wednesday night while you guys were doing the port, uh, the podcast. Besides not having any audio for Carl for the first two minutes uh, and not having any overlays set up for the first probably 15, 20 minutes of the race, it all went pretty well. I was pretty happy with it. So uh, definitely a different experience and definitely one um, that I'm I'm keen to do again. So tomorrow night or by the time you hear this, we'll be doing Thunder again. Locked on lads on Twitch, Locked on lads YT on on YouTube and Locked On Lads on Facebook. If you want to check out the Thunder series through Anscar, they're going to Auto Club this week. So, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. So check that out. And, um, yeah, it's overlays are getting there. I think Tim is the way to say it. Mm. Well, you've got them yeah. working. I'm not. I'm personally not happy with them, but um, nah, I'm they're, pretty they're that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they're working. We just um, we need to make them look a little prettier. The behind the scenes is we, we do a 10-minute countdown. We try and be, look professional. So we did a 10-minute stream starts in 10 minutes. So in that 10 minutes, you'd be, you know, just relaxing, getting the things ready, doing final touches. Now, I'm sitting here fully changing overlays, trying to get them right, setting up audio in different scenes in OBS, and then loading camera packs and not knowing what, what each camera does. And then about 10 seconds to go, I'm like, yes, Carl, we have everything sorted out. Let's just go live. And we didn't. <laughs> so, um, look, this week we'll have a little bit more preparation going in. I've already had a week under my belt. But, yeah, it was good. Um, uh, I, one of the most informative things I've ever done is sit there for an hour with Carl just asking questions about NASCAR. Um, just an absolute wealth of knowledge on everything. So that was really good. and. Um, yeah, it's just a really good experience and can't wait to do 11 more races of it. And then we've already got a couple of people talking to us about, or at least one other talking to us about taking on their series in the in the future. So, yeah, hopefully we can organise some things and we'll announce some more things when we can. But that's it for this week. Starting an hour and 15 minutes into the podcast. Let's go to the news quickly before um, Alex falls asleep. The news is brought to you by Locked On Lads. Uh, dot com slash discord is the best place to go to get us it's got all our stuff have a chat in there about all the kinds of cool stuff i won't plug our twitch and our youtube because in the back of my mind i'm just thinking about changing it just randomly but uh locked on com slash discord is the way to do it uh get in there check all our stuff or locked on lads on facebook is the other place to definitely catch all our stuff and when we change things i'll announce it all there but go check out some really cool photos that uh leon williams did for us too on from disc from our Daytona practice sessions and dual sessions as well. So yeah, there's really good photos up there. Let's head into the news. Uh, Azatech pedals, the the company. So Azatech is the company very well known apparently for cooling systems in computers. Alex. Yeah, mate. Azatech they hold the patent for oh, really high like there's a pump that's used in uh, all in one uh, water based cooling for CPUs. Uh, primarily in, in a lot of, you know, a lot of the manufacturers use their patent for these systems, uh, really good engineering. And they've, um, they've branched out into what I understand is a passion project for them uh, into sim racing equipment and they've, they've produced uh, 
the Invicta Pedal Series, which uh, is getting a bit of press this week, um, both in terms of uh, Booster Media was a big uh, a big follower of them, Will Ford. Uh, he's got a couple of lengthy sort of videos up on about it. And I spotted them on Jay's Two Cents, which is that crossover between the PC sort of uh, building and, and enthusiasts kind of stuff, build your own PC that I like doing. Um, and the sim racing, he's got a bit of both. He likes his sim racing and um, uh, and obviously he makes his living doing YouTube videos on PC gear. Um, so he did a review that sort of got a bit of attention this week. The, the pedals look interesting. Uh, they look really actually quite well constructed. Um, and, you know, when you combine the sort of uh, technical engineer, engineering and, and, you know, built for computer kind of background that Ace Tech's got with that, like I said, a passion project, you end up with something that looks like this. I, I looked into them and had a look at the, the review and what have you and um, I thought the the makeup of them was really interesting. The adjustability is quite unique compared to what I've seen in other pedals, um, hydraulic on the brake, um, a load cell kind of thing or uh, engineering in terms of the, the, the throws and, and the, the movement in the in the accelerator and the, and the clutch has a kind of almost like a Husingveld um, style of cantilever system on the clutch. The one thing that sort of stuck out for me in terms of what the kind of moment was that you buy uh, buy them separately. The, the brake and the and the accelerator come together, and then you buy a separate box, which is almost as big as the uh, as the the two pedals in the other box for the for the clutch. And then they kind of they do clip together, and you could get them mm. quite secure. And then, of course, if you mount them in a rig on a plate or whatever. They're, they're not going anywhere. It was just a, a, an interesting design choice for, for mine. Obviously aimed at folks that, that want the the two pedals for, say, a Formula-style car or something like that or GT, you know, if you've got pedal clutches or whatever it is to get it off the line. Um, but those who want the, the full experience with the with the clutch, you know, if they're driving an old older style car and all the rest of it, uh, they've got that option there as well. They're talking about now the next thing will be a direct drive wheel um, and one would assume that similar sort of uh, engineering prowess will, prowess will go into to that sort of deal and, and who knows where they'll go next. But as usual, it's it's nice to see a uh, another option for folk. It's at the high end of options in terms of pricing and uh, they're a pre-order stage now, but they look like to be a, a legit competitor in the marketplace. Yeah, definitely. They look really good. Like I know it's 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 silly to say, but the orange, just those orange highlights, um, really do make it stand out. Um, the, the 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 adjustability, like you said, but I think that's where that clutch, extra clutch, comes in. You can then, you know, can mount it a bit further apart, whatever you want to do. Um, you were saying before they're really good for heel toe. You can adjust that. Well, kind of stuff. yeah, the adjustability in the in the makeup of them is such that you know when people heel toe, they like to have the offset between the how forward and back they might have their their accelerator compared to the brake, um, and that's you know just a turn of the dial, almost you know, not on the fly, but it's very mm. easy to to adjust just with the the dial mechanism that they've got there. Um, yeah, all sorts of adjustability in there and even to the point where, you, you know, you're talking about the, the natural throw of a brake, uh, of a hydraulic brake and the feeling that you have where 
the, the the pressure that there's a very light touch at the start before it hits a a point of very little movement in a in a real race car there's very little movement it is all about the pressure that's applied right once you take up the, the slack for want of a better word you can simulate that and you know if i look at the review from from jay on jay's two cents on youtube he's a big guy like he's well over 100 kilo uh, tall man, and he's standing on the thing, and he can't move the pedal. Like that's that's how much f- tension is in it, or, or pressure you've got to apply to it. So they've really thought about, uh, and of course you don't have to have it that way. You can you can set it up how you want with the adjustability. But um, yeah, really, like I said, really interesting to see a new player in and uh, offer an alternative for folks and um, uh, in their equipment choices. Yeah, I think what we've said before is um, more people in the game doing it is obviously going to mean two things. Obviously, price is a big thing. More competitive, bring the price down, hopefully. Um, but yeah, more uh, more steps forward in just you know other other bits and pieces are cool. It's not just a pedal and a brake that does really cool stuff. Now they're adding these extra bits um, on the side, which is going to then become an industry standard as everyone tries to keep up, which is. You know, more eyes on the on the game, more making more people making cool little decisions that others hadn't even thought about is going to help everyone. Very very excited. Uh, let's move into we've got a question in Discord from T Hunt or Thunt. Uh, so if you want to get over our Discord, like I said, lockedonlads.com/discord, and we have our questions for the podcast. Uh, now he quickly does ask the question to us as I'm trying to fill in air to find it. Um, Quick question for the iRacing Grand Prix Tour panels thoughts. Now, I'm pretty sure we talked about this a while ago, but uh, there's a forum post uh, from the 17th of February, which has um, far more details of the actual uh, Grand Prix Tour that they're doing as the official iRacing Grand Prix Tour. Uh, So days of the week, there's a Thursday. There's a Thursday fixed couple races. Um, no, there's one Thursday fixed race, there's one Friday open race, there's a Saturday fixed race, and a Sunday open race. Um, and then we've got what looks like about 18 races throughout the season, which is pretty cool. Um, no, it'll be more. No, I that's not it at all. It, no, it lines up with the um F1 it calendar. Gets, yes, the corresponding real world track versus the I Racing Grand Prix track. So there is basically a race every weekend for the Grand Prix season. Um, mm. So March 15th, they're going to the Nürburgring um, oh. while the real world goes to, that's the GP circuit for 59 laps while the real world corresponding race is in Bahrain. Uh, so then Zolder uh, for March 22, the 76 laps compared to Saudi Arabia. Um, and then April 5th, Phillip Island in replace of Australia's uh, Melbourne Albert Park for 69 laps. Well done. So uh, all the way through to November 15th where they go to Indy Road Track instead of Abu Dhabi. Um, so I think at the time when they announced this, uh, so there's a three-minute practice, eight-minute qualifier. Race lengths are noted in the schedule, which we just talked about. Uh, the tyre compounds become a big part of it as well. 23 Sorry, event season three uh, length, three hundred five kilometers. Uh, Grand Prix series uh, open setup time slots and fixed time setups. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's a really good idea. The more options we got that aren't is a twelve week season. You have to do it back to back to back to back. 
I won't let you miss four of them if you're lucky. Um, more more structure to a, a, a real world thing as well. Just more options like that that gives people because I I think we've talked about before, Tim, me and you personally. Anyways, when we race in a series that gives us a week off here and a week off there, that goes a bit longer. Just gives you a bit more flexibility and a bit more time to do it, and obviously based around the real real life um, ring, real life lengths and all that kind of stuff is is another cool move. And you can see they're they're trying to get into that Formula One space with the moves they're making, and this is just another version of that. Uh, any thoughts from you guys other than that? Yeah, well, I'm looking through that track list and the Mercs at Bathurst. Oh, geez. Oh, that'll be interesting to watch. I won't be participating in that. Like, I won't be participating anyway because I've already told you I don't like Mercedes. But um, yep. the um, – well, I don't like Mercedes in F1, But um, so there's no bias there. But yeah, 81 laps at Long Beach, oh, that's a long race. That is a long race. Um, but look, I think it's great. I think, you know, it's good that they're getting behind it and doing something. It'd be interesting to see what the numbers are. I haven't checked the numbers on the Merc and what how they've been racing since the launch because it was like there was a lot of fuss about it in that first week to two weeks and it's died off. And there's no doubt when the season picks up in, in you know, Barcelona testing's next week, I think it is. Uh, and then the season kicks off the week after. So, it will be interesting. There'll be a bit of hype come. Netflix series will start up on, I think that starts on the 11th, I think it is, or the 4th, I can't remember, um, 11th of March, I think it was. Once that starts to pick up, there'll be a lot of noise around that and hype. So that'll drive it at the start, but how quickly is this going to fall off? And I think, yeah, it's it's it'll be interesting. I think it's good it's got something, but it it you know for me, it just reeks of another Williams and um, McLaren remake unfortunately and i don't know how they fix it but it, it yeah just don't see it surviving so mckella quick question or I, I want to throw something at you in a sec but making it an official series and just leaving it at that iRacing is not going to put any more effort into this this they're just saying here it is here's an option for you guys and that's the problem with it like if they were going to cool let's let's broadcast this let's do a top slip broadcast of this every week the, the sunday's the one we're going to do or you know, kind of like, obviously prize money, you know, all that kind of stuff. Do a trophy, whatever you kind of do. That gets people in. But just, cool, here's an official. But then I say that and the Enduro series is, hey, cool, we're doing a Bathurst 12 hour and they've got 50 million people service can't even hold it trying to race in the Bathurst 12 hour. Um, so I guess, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The question I've got for you, though, is the part I just read is license D 4.0 and up. Are you going in a Formula One series official race with the 4.0 and up? <laughs> well, look, interesting, potentially. Um, uh, you're talking to an open wheeler fan, so uh, I, I like that they're trying something, right? I think it's, it is more akin to, you know, the special event calendar, uh, for example. I think people have enough interest in Formula One to try and maybe have a crack at emulating it, even if they don't make the whole series potentially. There might be some diehard folks out there who get into it, particularly in Europe, for example. I think we'll struggle to get racing here in Australia too much um, just based on history. I mean, you look at the even the special events. So we did the Bathurst 12-hour a couple of weeks ago um, and the our split at the uh, ANZ friendly time was 3,600, whereas the main game was, I don't know, 7K or something. 
in terms of strength of field. So there's a big difference there and there's a big audience to play to in Europe who are the real core fanatical F1 fans. So, look, I, I give them full marks for trying something. Um, the F1's held the interest, the new F1's held the interest of the community longer than I thought they would simply based on watching the streams around that I've seen. To be honest, there's more people racing the F1s than I thought would be at this point in the season, even though there's a lot fewer than there was at the start. Um Will I get in there? Probably not myself. Um, uh, I, have, I don't own the car. I'm not in a hurry to buy another dead series, uh, even if this does breathe some life into it. But I do like I do like the concept. And and you're right. If they added something to it around it, uh, whether it be you know for the skips one official season, they offered a a day to skip barber racing school, the real one, right, yeah. as a prize to the to the official series winner. They. They don't have to do much um, just to entice people to get in there. A broadcast is often enough, as you say. So, yeah. yeah, with a little bit around it, I think you could probably make something out of that. You think about the the premise of Anscar that we've just mm-hmm. been talking about for so long. They they follow the official series, and that, that keeps people entertained and keeps people engaged throughout. So there's something in that format potentially, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. If they don't put any more sort of thought into it than sticking up official servers, yeah, you're right. It could could die or fall a bit flat. I'm just looking at it now. There is four time slots on each of the days. So we do have a Sydney 9 p.m. time slot for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the Sunday. Uh, and then Germany, Eastern, and Pacific all get an 8 p.m. time slot, which then spreads it even further thin. So you've got 16 time slots to try and fit this in. I, I prefer the NASCAR uh series because they do the same with nascar series like every week is the same as, as the real life competitor like the thing and i think they tried it with the indie as well but it is we've got four time slots for you and that's it if you can't make any of those four time slots i'm sorry but this series isn't for you you need to try and work out your schedule to fit it in now that's well and good and I, but and it gets those things better but but see nascar it works for but it but but Formula One people haven't been coming to iRacing for Formula One. That's that's the the key difference there. Well, so, maybe this maybe this brings a few back this, in, but I, I I would argue with you as well that there's really only two days that you're going to race see people racing, and that's Thursday and Saturday yeah. for the fixed races. The rest, the other two, you may as well not put on. Yeah, yeah. And that, it, that, the other thing, the other thing I'm thinking about is that I look at that Friday session and how many of the races because this is following the F1 calendar. How many of the F1 races do uh, practice on Friday night in real life at nine o'clock around that eight yep. o'clock to nine o'clock, 10 o'clock slot. And how many quality sessions are also on the Saturday at yep. eight, nine, 10 o'clock. And also how many races are on the Sunday at eight, yep. nine, 10 o'clock during the season. And that's wiping yep. out a lot of people. And that's, it's not for every single round of F1, but it's mm. probably half where maybe three quarters of the races actually conflict with that time. Yep. Potentially, although I've, yeah, I find that, that you probably, for me, they start around 11. Uh, so at Sydney, 9 p.m., same time zone as me, I'm going to end up, if I did it, I'd be rocking into watching the session most well, of the be time. The You'd be yeah. sitting there going, oh, I'm pumped to watch this practice session. Oh, hold on, the, there's the officials on tonight. I may as well, oh, it'll finish just about the same time as when the, the practice starts tonight. You'll get a handful of people doing it that way as well but it yeah it'll be very interesting to see like it they've already committed to obviously the new mercedes whenever that like i, I assume 
they're bringing it out after it's useful. So once it's no longer trade secrets and all this other stuff, they'll then iRacing will be able to have a go at it and they'll release it into iRacing. So cool, they're going to have the most data on a, on an actual F1 car, but it's last year's F1 car every time. Or, or the, car, the F1 car that's just become irrelevant. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it does bring people in and they're obviously trying something. And once again, I think this is a background move to cool. When we launch iRacing 2025, the brand new version of it, we've got F1 is the front as well as NASCAR, as well as dirt world of outlaw sprint cars, as well as, you know, we've got the best world rally cars championship as well in here. And, and you know, all the big, big names are in this thing. I think there's, there's a lot of Formula One stuff being done for that, but we'll wait and see. But that's a lot more talk than I thought we were going to give that. Um, but thank you for your, your question, Hunt or T-Hunt um, in the Discord. Uh, quickly, one that got brought up uh, just quickly before we went live, it, it's actually happened during the week, but NASCAR uh, College iRacing Series. So uh, the eNASCAR, e sorry, College iRacing Series is pretty cool. There's $50,000 worth of um scholarships up for grabs which is pretty much takes us out of it it's just for the the americans but looks like it's a truck series that they're putting on uh it's going to be at daytona international speedway charlotte motor speedway and watkins Glen international so that's february 24th pretty much just about now uh march 24th and april 27th for anyone who's interested there's a link on the iRacing website to go uh sign up uh like i said world of world truck series vehicles um yeah and they're going to broadcast it live which is there's two things we just said would make the the formula one series a whole lot more competitive and a whole lot more interesting if you know little things like this just one of those lines broadcast that whatever would would make a huge difference and they, they may be broadcasting the one of the formula one ones they do things like that but yeah yeah well, i think that it anyway yeah and on that point as well I think the other part is that with some of these other races, and it's such a small thing, it's my bugbear about this Mercedes is that the deliveries, and I get why they're doing yes. it, but one of the biggest things that one of the the big, um, I guess, tools to bringing big drivers and good drivers for these um, big races is the fact that they can bring in their deliveries, but their sponsors with them, their teams with them, and have a bit of proud, be very proud about that, a bit of pride yeah. within that. Where if it's all obviously the generic, you know modified mercedes liveries that you can add different colors to and things like that there's no uh, for the, the big drivers there's not a lot of um not a lot for them to take out of it and not a lot to gain from it other than being a obviously a quick mercedes driver and a quick f1 driver would get that but for their team what is it what is it bringing them and without having some major draw cards for that series what, what how are you going to get the biggest drivers in there other than the avid um, f1 passionate fans yeah, definitely, one hundred percent agree. And the liveries, I understand why they've done it, but it's a <laughs> it's a huge issue um, for 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 things like that. Uh, the other thing is, if you are going to make a full proper F one series and you've only got one make of model of car in there, that's another limiting factor as well. Like, who wants to? As you said, you're not a Mercedes fan, so why are you going to race Mercedes every every other week uh, when you really want to be racing whatever other car you want to be racing? So. Um, if I can stick in my own livery on it, I'm fine. I know it's a fast car. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can paint it, I'm happy to. I'm happy to paint it in my own colours. Yeah. No, there's lots of little things there. So, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully they do change something down the track. Uh, let's get into the local racing results uh, brought to you by our Facebook page. Go give us a like and a follow. We're closely, we're, we're slowly crawling our way up to 500 followers. Uh, one of those big things is getting to 1,000 followers because you unlock a whole heap of cool little added features and extra stuff you can do on your Facebook page. Uh, we've got about, uh, yeah, closing on 300 likes as well. So go get that like button and follow button. This helps us out um, every time we do uh, put some info out there. It gets a little bit more traction, which you know, helps us out in the background and gets us uh, a little bit further on people's feeds and all that kind of stuff. So if you can go do that, Locked On Lads on Facebook, that would be amazing. Uh, but let's head into the local results. I'm going to let McKellar talk for a little bit here about Sunday Night Lights because I've got a massive storm rolling in right again, and I think it's going to start getting pretty loud in a sec, so I'll start muting the mic if it does. But, Alex, what happened? You've got, like, 50 oh, million I rating in this latest <laughs> Tell us how good yeah, this thing is. Yeah, look, um, I, won't, I won't sort of tell the big story around the race so much, the racing this week, although it was it was pretty pretty cool. The big big story around SNL this week was for me was just the turnout. Um, four splits, you know. Last season was our biggest and best. Uh, we had the strongest strength of field in I racing official skip barber racing history. Um, we're loading into the into the server. Uh, Carl Withy, the great Carl Withy, was backing up after day, Daytona. Corey wasn't able to make it, and the, the new interface gives you a little soft indicator. It says, you know, this this is what you're looking at for the strength of field. And I looked at the number and I said to myself, that can't be right. You know, like that literally, that just can't be right. That's got to be a bug. And then we loaded in and I loaded up another tool that sometimes used to check this off and I looked at it and it was 6,100. I think the official number was 6,113 strength of field. Vasco Sorovsky was the last car to sneak into the field and his I-rating prior to the race was over 5,100. Just to buy the last ticket into the top split. Absolutely. And what was insane. your average? What was your best one last year? Fifty what? Fifty five hundred. Fifty six hundred was the best prior. <laughs> and, and now so, that's and actually, almost what you needed to just get into this one. You needed fifty one hundred just to get in, right? It was it was absolutely. And I got to admit, yeah, it threw me um, straight up. I, I, I was a bit flustered by it. And, you know, you talk about not having Carl's sound going at the start of the broadcast for the race, the one that you did. I didn't turn uh, anything on for the first couple of minutes. Uh, and I didn't, I'm talking away, going, how is this? And the mics weren't even on. So, um, and I've got, to, I've got to admit, the whole race, uh, I, I wasn't really uh, 100% with it. It was, it was amazing. So, um, yeah, look, thank you to everyone who turned up. I, I, I'm going to go out there and say I can't see that being topped. You know, I put the challenge out there, but I can't see that ever being topped, honestly, for us or anyone else. Uh, it's so far ahead of every other race that's been put on in the skips that, um, yeah, a humbling experience for me as someone who's put a lot of time into this and does it for the community. Uh, you know, my catchphrase there is it's, it's a race for the community by the community, and that's how we like it. And the community answered in kind this uh, this week. So thank you to everyone who turned up. The the second split strength of field was like thirty seven hundred, which is incredible. You know that, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, that was better than the average top split race for an in, for the entire first five seasons of the series. That was better than the average top split by a way. So anyway. The race itself, Benny Simonson returned for the first time this season. He he stuck it on pole. Benny honestly is uh, 
in my view, the best skippy driver going around. Um, probably pretty close to period, full stop. Uh, and he dropped it on pole ahead of Nagai, who um, has been the standard so far for the last sort of couple of seasons. Series leader Christian Perez stuck it on third, just ahead of the second Japanese driver, Takumi Yamato. Um, we did have a couple of ANZ drivers in the field, as I said. In fact, we had three. Vasco uh, was the leading qualifier in uh, ninth. Corey Lane just behind him in 10th. And uh, the Cowboys, Sam Devantia, was also in there, but he could only manage 16th. He spent a lot of time. Um, he spent a lot of time doing Daytona officials this week, and uh, and that's sort of reflected in how he qualified and, and how his race went. I made a comment, and before I dive again back into the race and the results, there, um, I made a comment uh, during the broadcast that uh, one to eighteen, there were eighteen drivers in the field. One to eighteen in any given race during the week, other than this race, is up the front vying for a win. Um, these these guys, you might see two or three of them rock up to any other split in the week at, on any given day, and you'd be lucky to see them, and they're off in the distance and they're fighting out for the win. Here. You've got all 18 of them in one place. And what you saw in that was a bunch of people mid and rear rear of the field going, how do I do this? How do I race in this context? I'm used to being five, ten seconds up the road with one other guy around me. Now I'm in the middle of a pack of elite drivers um, trying to make my way through. And it was reflected. It was a bit clumsy at times not through the lack of skill or endeavour of the folks, but um, just for that sort of context uh, is how I saw it, you know. Um, so racing up front, there was a, an incident on the start of lap two in the front pack that saw um, Oscar Chinchilla just tag the unluckiest driver in the series this season, uh, other than perhaps Vasco in now you Nagai, uh, and that dropped him back. But it did see Benny Simonson and Christian Perez um, uh, break away and they were essentially never headed and 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 uh, realistically like I said Benny's a cut above and Christian was just riding with him for the most part he had a couple of cracks at him late in the race but um, honestly uh, it was Benny's race uh, to lose and uh, he went on to win it uh, from Christian, there was a, a secondary pack that sometimes extended to like eight cars or so Um uh, and, it, and it boiled down to to uh, three of them in the end, Adam Miles, Julian O'Frey and Nathan Wade, and that was the order that they finished in. Adam Miles, he um, uh, he was on the podium last week for the first time and backed it up in the in the strongest race ever uh, this week, finishing third, which was a great a great result for him. Um, we, as I said, we did see the return of uh, the Flying Dutchman, Tim Hendrickson, uh, who has been a, a standout in Skippy Fields in seasons gone by. He, he managed seventh. It was good to see the Team Torpedo driver back in there. The leading ANZ driver was, in the end, the Cowboy, Sam Devantia, who uh, finished oh. eighth after finish, after starting 16th. Sorry, mate. I said, wow. Yeah, Sammy, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cowboy. Yeah, yeah he's doing all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mate, it's so, uh, yeah, well, that's right. This uh, <laughs> is still the only driver this season to win two top split races. So uh, he's going all right. Corey Lane uh, finished inside the top 10 in 10th. And poor old Vasco Sorosky in that incident I described earlier with Tim Hendrickson. Um, I've never seen uh, a more... I don't know, an easygoing guy when it comes to his racing. He's passionate about it and all the rest of it, but he, he was struggling to find a nice thing to say in the interview post-race. Um, 
uh, first time I've seen that from Vasco. He was, I think, pumped to be in the race uh, and then to have a, a pretty uh, yeah, clumsy incident throughout that he was pretty dirty on. Um, yeah, unfortunate for Vasco, and I, I can only hope the racing gets better for him. So that was the top split uh, result. Uh, if I dump into just quickly the second split, uh, again, like I said, it was a, a oh, sorry, a 3,571 strength of field. Hiroyuki Shorter took it out. Uh, he's been a regular top split runner this season ahead of Jeff Snavelli, the US driver who joined us uh, for a rare appearance and found himself with the second split. Uh, and there was the, the rest of the podium, the final spot was filled out by another Japanese driver, Hikoto Sasaki, who again made his debut, I think, last week um, from memory in the top split. The ANZ drivers in the field were led by one Russell Clark the third Esquire, who finished in P7, continuing his good season uh, results, at least in terms of staying in the points. Neil Gardner, who posted it out Discord, I'm a 4K driver and I'm car number five in the second split, um, which <laughs> sort of spoke to his night, although he did end up finishing in ninth uh, inside the points. Luke Witten, who is probably unfamiliar to you guys, he's uh, a team Milo driver from way back. Uh, I don't want he, to know anything about him then. Sorry. Let's well, well, well. Can I say he's a, he's a he's a top fella, and he's actually on his night as good as anyone. He, he's a bit out of practice, a bit short of a run, but he's the only ANZ driver to win uh, a two K Cup event, which was for the longest time the premier skippy racing scene in the world. He wanted to join um, Locked On, but we just didn't have any spots. <laughs> I was just about to say, if you didn't know this before, in the pre-show, I was actually in my Locked On mug nice. drinking hot Milo. Um, oh, perfect. Mixing There's the no... two together. So. What's all so that crummy country. stuff on the bottom? Why is it, what's all that, that build-up? That's, that's, that's Russell, basically. I just left the shit at the bottom. Um, so Luke Whitten's in 11th. Uh, great to see him back out there second week in a row. Nathan Verney uh, in 13th, uh, just outside yeah, of the he, points. That was the first hint we got of the record number. He's, he's, he said... Um, he jumped in and said what split he was in and what number he was in the race. And I'm like, he's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Car 17 in the second split. Nuts. <laughs> um, Mitchell Nichols, the other ANZ driver in the field who's finished down in 15th. There are so many um, top split runners in there. Uh, yeah. It's not funny. I mean, George Matsushinsky was car number one going into the race. Uh, he was, uh, what's that, 48.50 high rating. Couldn't crack it. Nuts. Um, uh, diving down in the third split to find some of our uh, regulars, Paul Wilson, car number one in the third split. That's unheard of. Um, he's finished second. Uh, the great Mark Jeffrey. Mark Jeffrey, Jeffrey, he's finished fifth, just ahead of our great stalwart, Jason Wilman, in sixth. Uh, Ken Himes, the great man, down in 11th, just inside the point. Matthew Harriet, uh, a name for me to many of us in Aussie car. He's down in 12th, the final spot. In the points, uh, speaking of the points, let's take a look at the uh, the standings uh, after seven weeks. Drop rounds come into play next week. Christian Perez out in front and making good on his commitment to try and win this season. Remains in first place after finishing second this week again and his chief championship rival, Nagai. Uh, he did finish in 11th inside the points, but really doesn't help him in uh, in the in the run for the championship. Uh, Julian O'Frey with a, a third place position, oh, sorry, fourth place position this week, uh, maintained second on the ladder overall. And Russell Clark, 
es- the third Esquire in P3, the leading ANZ driver still this week. Amazing stuff. Uh, Akira Nakajima, the Japanese driver in fourth, and Naoya Nagai uh, hangs on to fifth. Uh, with a few rounds to go and drop rounds in play, he's, he's still an outside hope if his luck improves. Neil Gardner, the next ANZ driver in sixth. The Cowboys, Sam Devanter in seventh. Other ANZ drivers inside the top 20 include Mitchell Nichols in ninth. Uh, Mark Jeffo Jeffrey rises another two positions to sit just outside the top 10 in 11th. Corey Lean rises sixth to land in 13th. Vasco Sorovsky drops another few down to 14th. The great Ken Himes in 15th. Paul Wilson relegated to the third split this week, still rises five to land in 16th. Nathan Verney drops five this week, unfortunately. He's down to 17th. And Darren Tune, the final ANZ driver in the top 20, drops a few to land in 19th. Uh, this week we're off to Nords, uh, the full eight-minute-plus experience. Um, interesting. Uh, I make no promises in the broadcast. Well, actually, no, I do make a promise in the broadcast. I will not call any corner numbers or names this week. Uh, there's 160-plus of them stuffed if I'm learning all of them. Sorry, all the pronunciations or anything. But uh, hey, mate, usually I, I did Daytona, crap. and there's apparently four turns there and, and, <laughs> and two straights, and one of them's definitely not straight, and I don't know any. I couldn't. Same thing, so good luck yeah, yeah, mate. I just hope we keep the trees out of the cameras this week. And um, <laughs> honestly, uh, it, it usually gets a good turnout. It's not look, it's not in my wildest dreams going to be a sixty-one hundred soft, uh, but I do expect uh, it, uh, hopefully a good turnout. Yeah, well, that's it. But again, final note from me: thank you to the the community that's backed us. Uh, honestly and genuinely, uh, humbling experience to see that kind of field rock up. And um, yeah, thank you again, and look forward to the to the weeks to come. Yes, very well done. We are running super long, so I'm going to start skipping through some stuff pretty quickly to talk about skips. Uh, we talked about it before, but the official results uh, from Aussie Skip Barber uh, final round of the season: uh, Cameron Dance not only getting a zero x, not only getting the fastest lap, uh, but he also got pole, won the race, uh, 104 points out of it. Uh, John Schultz second, as we heard before. Alex McKellar third, which was all John Schultz really needed to do to wrap up the championship. Uh, Darren Tune, once again, very strong season, finishing fourth in that race, up two spots. Uh, Matthew Harrick, the big mover, up 10 spots uh, to finish in that position, uh, 13th. So very well done um, from him. Uh, two locked on guys there, finishing ninth and 10th. Very good job to Tim Harris and Nathan Verney, both up two positions. Um, but, yeah, very, very good racing at the ring for the final race of the season for the Enduro. But then that brought the overall standings to uh, John Schultz winning uh, by a mere three points over Cameron Dance and you yourself, Alex McKellar, being relegated to third, two points back. Uh, Darren Tune, as I said, very good season, ends up fourth. Uh, how that man is still not in a team, someone hit him up. Uh, Sean Doyle having a, another solid season in fifth. Uh, Russell Clark in sixth. Neil Gardner in seventh. Tim Harris and then Nathan Verney. Those two yet again uh, back-to-back there in eighth and ninth. Ben Snell having having a season in tenth. And then Brody Cook uh, have, have it in there in 11th. Dennis Cook 12th. Craig Kermit in 13th, Ashnell in 14th, and John Snell in 15th. And then there's a whole heap of other names there as well. Uh, Brody Cook finally getting his road to 2K victory. Well done, mate. Uh, 
that leaves uh, a handful of people left there not winning it. So well done. Uh, but the team championships there went to a Van Demon Racing 1-2. Haven't seen that for a very long time. No top split, no no locked on there in the in the in the one or two. So Van Demon Racing, Milo and Otis there taking up first and second. I don't know which one's which. I think Milo's first and Otis is second. No, it is, yes. Because Brody is in Otis. That's how I know. Um, locked on iRacing podcast there holds on to third. Only two, 10 points behind um, Otis there. So that's a pretty good effort. White Knuckle Racing in fourth. Top split fifth. Uh, Black Sheep Racing uh, of from Locked On there in sixth. Uh, two Clowns Racing in seventh. Uh, surprised Russell Park hasn't got anything to do with that. Uh, Miss Apex in eighth. Airways Aviation in ninth. OZ, ORT, Aussie Car Racing Team in tenth. Locked On Lad. The, uh, the single Locked On Lad there in eleventh. And Norfolk Chance Racing uh, in twelfth. So... Other than that, I want to quickly throw to Carl Withy because he's got a bit of a wrap-up of what happened in Anscar for the first couple of days. I think that's it. He might have wrapped up the whole week. I don't know. I haven't listened to it, but you can listen to it when I listen to it. Take it away, Carl. Hello, chaps and chapettes, and welcome to the very first Anscar recap of 2022 here on Locked On iRacing, your home for all the best in Aussie online sim racing action. I am as ever, Carl Withy, and as is tradition, tonight we start off with our recap of the Truck Series. Daytona Speed Week kicked off in fantastic fashion with the first race of the 2022 Truck Series. We saw all 40 slots filled within less than two minutes of the server's opening. The Truckmeister himself, Jason Martin, took pole position for the 2022 race, while rookie Dylan O'Shea for DPR was on his outside. We saw the first 11 laps run green when the first of three cautions came out. However, all the cautions came early in the race. This led us to the final 15 laps where the trucks needed to make a green flag stop. And lapped cars in the field made it very mixed up. We saw a few separate packs running together. This set us up for a Mitch Motorsport and Natari battle to the end. However, contact between Mitch partners of Martin and Micklemore caused a pile-up taking out their rivals in Carol Walden and Foster. This led to the green-white checker where the trucks lined up for a grandstand finish. After the white came out, drama happened and we saw a two-horse race between Danny G and Luke Traher. As they got to the line, it was the perfect run for Traher to catch the draft and take the win by 0.042 of a second over Mirko Dortenak in third place. Double D, Dave Douglas came home in fourth and Reese May came home in strong fifth position. The trucks will head to Homestead Miami next week. Next up, we head to the Thunder Xfinity series, brought to you on its new home of Locked On Lads TV. The champ proved his power by putting his swift car on pole position. Hamish Gallagher would start from the front row However, newcomer Dylan O'Shea would be on his outside setting an identical lap time. The audience would be treated to a great green run which had a green flag stop in its cycle. However, by lap 50 would get our first caution. With everybody having enough fuel to get home, nobody decided to come down pit lane as track position was key. However, after a restart we would only manage 8 laps until we saw the medium sized one which took out several cars. This led for a little bit of a caution, and then we had a four lap run to the flag, and once more, the white fell. We saw the actual big one happen this time, 
and caused chaos down the back of the field as they picked their way through the carnage. Some cars made it, some cars didn't, but it was the champ, the reigning champion Hamish Gallagher, who would take out the victory ahead of Jaden Russell in second. Third was friend of the podcast, Mr. Raymond Yeager, fourth for Reese May, and fifth was Nigel Patton. Next week, we head to Fontana and Auto Club Speedway. Join us on Locked On Lads TV via Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube to catch all the action for the Thunder Wednesday nights for 2022. And finally, the big race itself, the grand event, the Daytona 500 for the Cup came along. Of course, Speed Week is always a busy one for us, and 2022 was no different. Of course, being one of the few open setup races, practice was key and car preparation was vital. It was Reuben Phelps and Brad Allison who got the front row with a very well-balanced car for qualifying, setting blistering lap pace. They continued that pace for the race, having a very well-balanced car. The rest of the field was set in the duels. This saw 43, 40 cars battling for the 43 spots on the grid, of course. A few people missing out. The 500 itself was an absolute classic. The 7th generation car showed some real promise and potential for the pack racing. We saw the cars run too wide most of the race. Sadly, it was an early caution and our own Peter Wilco Wilkinson was one of the first casualties through no fault of his own. But after the early cautions, we saw a good green flag run. It was a battle of the teams with Natari and Mitch Motorsport, Synergy and DPR all at the front working well to cause a breakaway from the rest of the pack. On lap 141, we would see the big one happen when Pearson and Hedgesheed would make contact, causing almost every car from 8th down to have damage, due to the fact it happening after a short restart. This would see a long green stint, after which we would see some green flag stops needed, and this is where the pack split. Things were looking perfect for Natari, with drivers Foster and Carol Walden, along with DPR man Dyson, who broke free from the rest of the pack with almost a 15 second lead over fourth place man Pearson and the rest of the field almost 30 seconds back. The two Natari drivers were in the box seat as Dyson was carrying a fair amount of front end damage. However, drama would come when the leaders caught a group of lapped cars and caught a distracted Skurlock who was napping in the middle. Catching out the front runners, Carol Walden would hit him in the back. Foster had nowhere to go and Dyson caught Foster, Foster veering off into the pit wall, taking him out of the race. But the caution flag did not fly, it was a two horse race between Natari and DPR. As they came to the final corner, Dyson would try to pass Carol Walden on the outside, however in a very aggressive blocking move, JCW would end up wrecking Dyson. Meaning, as the broadcast went off-air, JCW was a two-time Daytona winner. Dyson managed to limp his car across the line just millimetres ahead of teammate Neil Pearson. However, the story does not end there. As the donuts were burning, the admin staff were busy reviewing the accident, and the decision was taken while a little leniency for the final lap accidents is allowed this crossed the boundary of acceptability, and thus the 35 was excluded from the race and Joshua Carroll Walden was disqualified. Meaning that the winner of this year's Daytona 500 was DPR's Andrew Dyson, despite only having about 30% of his car left when he crossed the line, making it a DPR double with Pearson in second, Brad Allison coming home a strong third, fourth for Martin, and rookie Wade Sheedy in fifth.
We also have to give a bit of a shout out to Scotty Griffiths who got caught up in an accident and ended up breaking a finger when his hand got caught in his steering wheel during the crash. A reminder that sim racing is still dangerous. We'll wish you a speedy recovery, Scotty. Uh, hopefully we'll see you back soon. And a big shout out to Locked On Ohms, Tim Corn, who came home a strong P8 in his Cup debut. Next week, the Cup heads to an Auto Club Fontana. You can catch all the action and news over at Anscar Facebook page or at www.anscar.com. And of course, see the races on YouTube at Performance eStreaming. We look forward to seeing you all next week and throughout the course of the 2022 season. And we look forward to bringing you all the results on Locked On Lads and Locked On iRacing, the best place for all the Aussie online racing action. Back to the studio. And thanks for that, Carl. I hope things are getting better for you. I know they're probably not, but our hearts and uh, our wishes are with you at the moment for everything that's going on. I know that doesn't mean much to many other people, but it does to me. I need to say that. Um, look, Anne's car wouldn't be the same without you, mate. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we're broadcasting with you tomorrow and hopefully we're doing a lot more work together in the future as well. Let's head to Aussie Car Turbo Touring Cars Series or TCR Series, whatever you want to call it. Tim, what happened, mate? Which one do you want to start with, Pro or Pro-Am? I guess we start with Pro-Am. Yep, sure. You want me to Have take you it? Have your Pro-Am up? Yeah, why yeah, not? Sure yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. So Josh Barry uh, started in first, finished in first. So well done to Joshua Barry. Uh, second was Tom Hunt. Third was James Balvins. Fourth was Nathan Burney. Fifth was J Jeremy Bush. Fifth, uh, sixth was Jake Burgess. Uh, seventh was Craig Kermond. Eighth was Callum Heinrich. Uh, ninth was Farron Hancock. And finishing out the 10 was Leon Williams. Well done to all of you and 1-0-X in that from Bernie. So well done, mate. And in the second race, it was, uh, so obviously reverse grid. First was Joshua Barry again coming from 10th down to first, a fantastic effort. Brody Shepard in second, Liam Banks in third, Max Donnelly in fourth, Farron Hancock's in fifth, uh, Craig Kermond in sixth, seventh was Callum on a seventh. That could be his best position, best finish for the season, actually. Definitely uh, so said uh, last night on Twitter that he's his best best night of racing ever, uh, eighth and seventh, and uh, two top tens. Very well done. Very awesome. Well done. Yep. Now Jake Burgess in eighth and ninth was Tom Hunt. Finishing out the tenth ten was David Leslie. Uh, in pro, let me just pull up pro. Uh, pro. So starting um, in pole was actually Marty Turner, and um, but finishing in first was Ryan O'Sullivan. Second was Matthew Brunt. Third was Mitch Dean. Fourth was Brady Baldwin. Fifth was Braden Martin. Sixth was Reese Gardner. Seventh was Alex John from Top Split. Ooh. Seventh, uh, eighth was <laughs> Alex McKellar. Uh, ninth was Jaden Edmonds. And tenth was Nick Wood. Race two, remembering reverse grid, uh, we had Daniel Yeoman finishing first. Ben Snell finishing second, started second in that race as well. Uh, Alex John, best finish for the season in third. So that's huge, huge um, for Alex. Ryan O'Sullivan finished in fourth. Matthew Brunt finished in fifth. Braden finished in sixth. Two good, good finishes for Braden. Seventh was Marty Turner. Uh, eighth was, oh, Alex again, Alex McKellar. And ninth was myself. Tenth was Dale Sharp. And championship, uh, let's pull that up. 
So overall teams is sitting at uh, first is locked on lads. Am I looking at the right one? Apologies. Uh, so there is yeah. a thing for overall teams I'm looking at now. Yeah. Yes, the locked on lads is first, yes. Yeah, yeah. second is locked on black ship racing and third is chicken up racing. Uh, which Equal is with locked on eye racing. Oh, good pickup, we'll go. Good pickup. And championship for each of those. I haven't got that in front of me. Apologies. I have. So good. let's start with the Pro-Am at this stage. Uh, we have John, no, that's Skippy Barber. There it is. Max Donnelly in first, equal with Joshua Barry, both on 494 points. Very, very exciting uh, part of the season. Uh, Brody Shepard in third, Jeremy Bush in fourth, Nathan Verney in fifth, Baron Hancock sixth. Seventh is Tom Hunt, who I believe is the person who asked us the question before. Sorry about that, Tom. Uh, Jake Burgess in eighth, David Leslie in ninth, and number 10, Callum Heinrich. Something I've never done is finish... Top 10 in a series before. So, um, yeah, look, Cal very much on his way of getting to getting there. So, well done, mate. Driving very well. Uh, new ready, for ready for top What's that? He's yes, ready for he top 100%. <laughs> um, so, talking about pro series, uh, Daniel Yeamans uh, out there in first. Uh, about nine-point lead. Uh, Ryan O'Sullivan second. Mitch Dean in third. Now, this is the interesting part. Braden Martin in fourth, uh, three points back. It's sort of spurred him on. I think he's actually going to put some practice in this week. Uh, from what I understand, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Matthew Brunton fifth. Timothy Harris going very well there in sixth. Reese Gardner in seventh. Nathan Norman in eighth. Ashley Norman in ninth. And young Tim Cornt doing very well in tenth. Uh, so you, you jinxed me at the start is, of the season. Let's just be very clear. You I always... I jinx everyone. Don't worry about it. It's yeah. all good. Uh, let's move on to that. Is it? We don't have any other uh, recordings. Uh, Aiden was busy and Raymond was busy. Raymond was too busy, bloody beating me in Daytona 500. Um, and actually, he won the not one. He, he finished in the podium on the Thunder Series. I think it was third. He finished uh, on Wednesday night. So I actually, got to interview him uh, for in the broadcast, but. That has been a week and that has been a podcast. We're just scraping under the two hours. It'll be over two hours by the time we wrap this thing up and get some edited stuff in there. Tim, mate, where can people find you? What do you got planned for the next week and so till we talk to you next? Yeah, so I'm away the next couple of days, as I said before. So the, the focus will be Monday night, which will be NERB um, Enduro for TCR. And look, I'm hopefully I get some practice for uh, Vegas for the the week after, which you know we may talk about next week if I'm on. But if not, yeah, practice for for Anne's car at Vegas the week after. Uh, you can find me at Timmy Buckets on Twitch. Uh, I haven't been streaming for a while. I've just got to because I've got a new setup and new screens. There's a couple of adjustments I need to make and see if, how my computer's going to respond to it. And um, yeah, Twitter you can find me at um, at Tim Corn, which um, everyone knows the spelling. <laughs> That's it. You do that. I spell it wrong every time. Don't do artwork at 11 o'clock at night while you've about to fall asleep after a long day of racing. Um, yep. McKellar, mate, what do you got planned and where can people find you? Uh, planning wise, um, yeah, final round of the TCRs at the Watch Life for heaven help me. Um, and um, 
Stay on the lead lap, mate. Stay on the lead lap. That's all you need to worry about. Well, it's a big bloody lap to stay on. I reckon I'm a good show. Um, Well, I say that. Uh, Top Split Split TV uh, is where you'll find us on a Sunday night for the the Sunday Night Lights, uh, remaining the top place to be on a Sunday night for Skip Barber action on the planet, apparently. Uh, and you can find all our race replays for the past 25, now 25 and a half seasons as we move into 20, season 26 on the Top Split YouTube channel. Uh, and also, I am meant to be doing a, uh, a lap guide for Nautch Life for this week. Uh, for <laughs> it Infinite is a 10-part series coming to Netflix near you yeah. very soon. Yeah, that yeah, baby. It's gonna be a nightmare. Um, that and uh, honestly, for myself, practicing. Uh, we've been doing getting into the our endurance racing after the twelve hours. So getting some LMP two for Sebring practice under the belt. The, the European Enduro series goes there the couple of weeks before. So it should be some good practice. And geez, they're a beast to drive. So it should be fun. Are we officially making it uh, the Le Mans top split locked on? Race and we're going to do a livery with the LMP2 down the middle. And well, mate, let's let's my people talk to your people and see what okay. we get. I don't know who your people are, and I don't know who my people are, but let's we'll talk about it later. Hey, it sounds good. I thought I'd throw it in there. <laughs> it does. We're very professional somewhere along the lines. Um, you can find us, like I said, I'm just throwing around a few things in my we've, we've launched Locked On Lads TV, okay. So we only have the one thing on at the moment. I, I assume the podcast will end up as a second thing on it eventually. Uh, so at the moment, it's Thunder Series for the for the twelve weeks of the the Thunder Series uh, will be broadcast on a Wednesday night at sort of six forty five, six fifty p.m. Queensland time. So that's a standard time, uh, daylight savings time. You know, you add an hour to that until daylight savings finishes. But you know how that all works. Um, so check that broadcast out each and every week, especially you get your your one and a bit hours of car with you. We even had the moustache on stream last week live, which was really cool to see. Um, but that's not a promise for every week. Uh, but yeah, we're just trying out a few new things over there. So definitely Locked On Lads TV is the new brand we've got for broadcasting slash maybe a few other things. We're just trying to work it out in the background at the moment. Uh, like I said, we're in negotiations or we're, we're talking to someone about a second broadcast a week on there as well. Uh, we'll see what we can also add to that. But my streams are going on. So you can find Locked On Lads TV on YouTube, on Twitch, and on Facebook. So the YouTube at the moment is Locked On Lads YT. Uh, Locked On Lads is fa- is Twitch, and Locked On Lads is Facebook. So you can see there why we've got a why I'm talking about changing things. But that's where we're currently at right now. Uh, Locked On Lads on Twitter. Wilco's Chill Zone is my personal Twitter. I've been doing a little bit of stuff over there at the moment. Uh, talking about a few things that are, that, that are going on, just with whatever. Uh, Locked on lads, though, the Facebook page and the Discord is the place to be. That's that's the main part to get us all. Um, but thank you for all the people who've watched the broadcast and, and gave them their feedback. It was really good thing to do and really good feedback. Uh, I will be racing Thursday night. That will be live streamed now. The stream is working 100% again. I've got to touch it up now, but that's... Thursday nights and Sunday nights at this stage are the two streaming nights for actual races. So you'll see that under a slightly different look, but um, we'll be broadcasting Wednesday, racing Thursday, racing Sunday uh, at this stage. So, yeah, look out for all that. And we've got a one-year anniversary sort of thing coming up fairly soon, so keep an eye out for that. We haven't talked about what we're doing about it. We've thrown ideas out there, uh, but you'll probably end up getting it. You definitely will be getting us live, okay? We'll be on 
uh, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. Um, we're hoping to get all five of us on there and just have a bit of a, a social thing, just basically ignore news. But uh, it'll be more a thing about asking questions, like answering your questions. So we'll open that up fairly soon and let you know how to get your questions in. We'll also open up the chance for you guys to do recordings and send them in and we'll add them into the podcast as we go through as well. Uh, but it has been a year. I can tell you that right now has been a, uh, an up and down year, but it's, it, it's gonna, it has been a great year and it's grown extremely well. So thank you to everyone who's joined us in that little journey. But thank you everyone who's joined us this week. And thank you for putting up with all the Daytona 500 chat and congratulations to Timmy Corn, top 10, number eight. Well done, mate. You're a legend. Uh, and we'll catch you all next week for more chat about iRacing stuff in the local community and hopefully some Grand Turismo 7 hype for me personally. But have a good week all. We'll talk to you later. Bye.